0: Now, introducing two men who were very disappointed that they didn't hear their names called on draft night last night after making it abundantly clear they were more than willing to sign for significantly under slot at number five overall, saying quote, no, seriously, we would have been perfectly fine even splitting half a million dollars, unquote. In honor of the start of Shark Week, they've been binge-watching the Dallas Mavericks and QVC wearing nothing but FUBU clothing, only to find out that perhaps they've been dedicating their efforts toward the wrong types of sharks entirely. They are not Glenn Clark. Uh, Good morning. I assure you uh, that Ken Zalis is in fact here this morning. He is just currently not in his seat uh, because evidently uh, the second- Floor ceiling in his house caved in. So uh, he's taking a phone call with, I imagine, some sort of contractor or a person more qualified than me or him to talk about what needs to be done to fix that. Um, but we've got a good show ahead this morning. Young Jack is here, the intern, of course. We'll have a young or two utes. I don't even know what it's called anymore. But that'll be later in the show. And uh, we will be reacting, of course the MLB draft and the Orioles selection of number five overall pick, Colton Kowser. Uh, we are live, or I guess I currently am live, from the Chesapeake Employers Insurance Studio here at Pressbox. Uh, joining us this morning at 1040, uh, Colton Cowser's head coach from Sam Houston State, Jay Sirianni, will call in to give us a bit of an idea as to what we should expect from Kowser, who we understand was the underslot route, but there's plenty of people who suggest that this was not as much of a reach as many people think, or even as maybe Hurst-Heston Kerstad was last year. We'll talk to Coach Siriani at 10.40 about that. Uh, at 11.20, the host of the bat around Paul Valley will call in to give his thoughts on the selection, as well as maybe his hopes for what the Orioles will do with their saved money. Uh, But that's all ahead, and we will also talk about, give some names maybe that we can hope for for the Orioles' next couple rounds as they have a little more money to spend, and that's a key point people need to remember here, uh, in the future of this draft. Today's show is brought to you by Glory Day's Grill, and Glory Day's Grill's popular summer seasonal menu is back with favorites like their very berry salad and smoky thigh wings. Good God, those smoky thigh wings. Featuring the all-new shrimp po' boy, Crispy fried shrimp on a freshly baked sub roll with lettuce, tomato, and house-made spicy remoulade. Other delicious items include a 12-ounce New York strip steak, barbecue chicken bowl, barbecue ribs, and of course, as the aforementioned, smoky thigh wings, combo platter, zucchini fries, and a key lime pie. All of these meals pair well with Sam Adams Summer Ale or their anniversary IPA brewed by Devil's Backbone. Always appreciate the good folks at Glory Days Grill and their support. But yes, uh, the topic du jour, Colton Kalser. The Orioles picked fifth. Uh, It was, I guess, a bit of an interesting way that the first four picks went. I'm not sure necessarily any of the names that went off of the board were surprising, but the order in which they did was surprising, as number one overall was Henry Davis, a player who was oft-mocked to the Orioles at number five and widely considered to be the top college bat in this year's draft. The Pittsburgh Pirates opted to select him with the first overall pick over... I guess the person most people expected to go with that pick, Marcelo Meyer, who ended up going number four overall to the damn Boston Red Sox. So while that was obnoxious because they got the guy that many people were mocking as the number one overall pick, all things considered, the names on the board when the Orioles selected were the ones that I think we expected. Um, We can thank the Texas Rangers for selecting Jack Leiter at number two to make it so that the Vanderbilt pitcher could not fall to the Red Sox at number four, as I think many people feared and were hoping against. But with the fifth overall pick on the board, there were some quality names, whether you were hoping for maybe a high school shortstop like Jordan Lawler, Khalil Watson, or Brady House, or as many people were hoping, and we talked to Greg Amsinger on Friday, and he suggested, or Friday, Thursday, one of those days, he suggested that should he still be on the board, it should be a no-brainer for the Orioles to select Kumar Rocker. None of those were the pick, as it was Colton Cowser, and we presume they cut an underslot deal at number five to preserve some of their bonus pool for future picks and to select some high upside guys with those picks. Again, That's the important thing to remember here. They did not just take Colton Couser, or if they did, if it turns out the Orioles took Colton Couser and then they just take nothing but three-year college players or four-year college players and don't go over slot with any of the rest of the picks in this draft, then sure, you can be upset. You can be up in arms and criticize the Orioles for spendthrift ways. But truly, there's no reason to think that's what happened here. Everything suggests that Mike Elias and company truly liked Colton Cowser, the prospect. Good morning, Casey. Good, Good night. Nice, nice to meet nice you. Nice to join us here. Yes. That they truly liked Colton Cowser, the prospect, uh, a guy who was widely thought to be um, the second best or even the best college bat in this draft. Obviously, Davis was the guy many people would have put on that list. But I've talked to some people who know a lot more than me about all of this, who suggested that. While Henry Davis did go number one to the Pirates and while he is presumably going to play catcher for them until he can't, um, there weren't all the teams that viewed him as a catcher. And of the teams that did not view him as a catcher, a lot of people thought Colton Cowser's bat was just as good as Henry Davis, the guy who went first overall. So this pick is not as much of a reach as I think some Orioles fans are convincing themselves was the case. Um, look, his competition was maybe a little lower than some people would have liked playing at Sam Houston State. It's yeah. not exactly your prototypical baseball power, but he was productive. There's no doubt about that. Um,
1: and the, and his, t- his tools grayed out as well as any hitter. I mean, uh, and... as he he you can make the ar- argument he was the best college bat available um, Sure. to me and d- we should
0: also reiterate we don't know anything no. really we know as much as anybody else and of trust me that you guys know, know nothing also right
1: of the people that are supposedly in the know yes i mean that's that's what they are for you know you look at you look at something like baseball america and they do the the rating system between 20 and 80 um, for you know, speed and 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 uh, power and sure. defense and arm, and he graded out as a as a sixty player with a with a
0: above average. Well, there's there's present value, there's future value, right? right? His hit tool currently would be about a sixty. He is the bat to ball skills of Colton Cowser are his best trait. He struck out fewer times than he walked this past year. Um, people rave about his ability to put the barrel on the ball. And I don't know if you guys have heard, that's a pretty good trait to have for a hitter.
1: It is, and they, they also think that he has the frame um, to add... 25 some pounds 25 maybe 25 pounds of power three currently
0: like 195 200 pounds ish
1: and as happens in the minor leagues and also at the major league level they 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 think his swing could could add a little bit of loft which would if he if both of those things happen they think he could be a 20 25 home run type guy uh for now he's a center fielder i, I mean, mean look
0: everyone says that or most scouts seem to think that he could stick at center could. field Could. If that were to be the route the Orioles were to go, look, obviously they've got a pretty damn good center fielder playing right now in Cedric Mullins. So it's never a problem, and it's often considered a scouting adage, to take players up the middle and figure it out from there because generally speaking, the shortstops, the center fielders, sometimes the catchers, uh, those are the most rigorous positions. They demand the most from athletes. And if you can play those positions, there's a decent chance you could play a corner outfield spot, or if you're a shortstop, move over to third or yeah, second. And the he's versatility. Played, he's
1: played. He's played all three outfield spots. Yes. If you go back, he also, I believe, I I saw that he played some third base at, at some he point. Did, yeah. Um. Here, here's let me, let me speak for said Oriole fan okay? who don't know anything. Who don't know anything. Sure. Okay. We have been hearing the name Rocker for two and a half years. Mm -hmm. We saw him last year, not this year, last year be the dominant college pitcher. Mm -hmm. And this year, not as dominant. There there were some questions there. there. Some questions arose. But if you are current oriole fan and you're talking about the rebuild and you're hearing about all these guys that are on the come and you're seeing some of the guys that are up now that you're saying you know what you know there are pieces that we can hold on to that 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 could be part of this rebuild whether it's well there's two of them whether there's well
0: who's two Mullins and Mountcastle are the two that right now I think okay, you, could yeah, you could reasonably say. Reasonably, I, I was going to add Means of, in there if you okay, fine, to. Okay, fine. Fair, fair. Okay. Fair. I mean, I, I'm, I'm just, just. That's
2: not, there,
1: there's, that's not unfair. There's, Means there's, is, there's a handful or less if yes. you cut off a finger or two. Um, but, we, but you watch the pitching uh-huh. that the Orioles are throwing out there day yeah. in and day out, and you're like, how can this organization, no matter how many guys they have that are close, mm-hmm. pass up? on said pitcher that was everybody that if it came out last year would have been the top overall pick um people are concerned about his fastball
0: dropped uh, few dropped He was dropped sitting a few 91 and, to 93 this year as yeah, opposed to his freshman year touching 96 97
1: but still his other pitches are plus pitches you say
0: pitches he has pitch. one other pitch
1: his other pitch
0: slider yes it's a plus it's a slider pitch okay but I mean, let's be honest. How many two-pitch pitchers at the major league level can dominate with a fastball sitting 91 to 93? I'm I'm agreeing with you. I'm agreeing with you. But said Oriole
1: fan has been watching this team. You keep
0: attributing – this knowledge I don't, to I'm, this I'm not elusive saying, or like well, no you're we, saying we, 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 we fall know. into the traps of we don't know it's of names thing. that we recognize look, look
1: I do I do this as a quote professional I, big air quotes oh yeah for the NFL draft mm-hmm. I know nothing okay I know what I see I know what I see based on what I like from football players mm-hmm. okay. You know, Rashad Bateman's one of those guys. I watched him for two years going back, sure. and I said, this is the best wide receiver I have seen.
0: Yeah, you were very high on A.J. Brown Okay, when got very drafted. high on A.J. Brown.
1: Yep. Okay, that does not mean that Rashad Bateman is going to turn out to be mm-hmm. wide receiver one from this class or an all-pro. It's just how I scout it. It's the same thing with baseball, but as a – a wider margin of what we don't know because there's these high school players. And there's, you had the pandemic where you missed all this time. And it's an and important it,
0: distinction that it's maybe scouting the talent side of things right. is the same thing with baseball. But the signability aspect, right. the You have all these bonus pool allotment, the right. there are variables here that make this an entirely different thing. It's a completely
1: game. different thing. And if if you're the Orioles and you said, look, we need guys that can that can be a part of this rebuild in the in the next two to three years then maybe you 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 lowered the high school shortstop off your board and maybe that maybe cower was the third cowser f- sorry well we might as two well start off well two syllables here Casey. we can do this you know it does, never matters <laughs> maybe he maybe was, bill cower can succeed yes, maybe for the Baltimore maybe hey, hey never know um you know, he did he did he have surgery yet? No, I, I digress. Um but but maybe he was their fourth best player on their board. We don't know. We don't know. But I, I we do I what, said we, we, what on things Friday, that we
0: do know, right? Things that we do know in the limited amount of time yes. that we've seen Mike Elias and company dress is they prefer college bats. Yes. And they don't necessarily like to take pitchers in the first round, at least from what we've seen. And especially not prep pitchers, right? Like right. they've they've clearly got a strategy here. They like bats over arms early because I think that the volatility and look, we need to set aside the Heston Kerstad yeah, result uh, with the yet. myocarditis from the pick itself. Right. Because Nearly everybody scouting wise says that or said that Heston Kirstad's bat was as safe of an of a tool as maybe existed in that draft. Yes. So look, it's it's really hard to to talk about it because of what we now know has happened, and through no fault of anybody, scouting or player wise, it just is a really unfortunate outcome and we still can only hope first of all, his health is good and he's able to live a, a long and healthy life from yes. this point moving forward. Yes. Baseball aside. Correct. Now, all that being said, the Orioles are somewhat thin in the outfield in their system. Yeah. They've got quality pitching prospects and Grayson Rodriguez yeah. and D.L. Hall, Kyle Braddish, Drew Rom. There's a, r- a relatively they, they, they long have, list.
1: They have a group. Very good group
0: of of high upside arms in the Orioles system. Yes, they've got some middle infield prospects that are very much reason for enthusiasm. Correct. Gunnar Henderson, Jordan Westberg. And they drafted Anthony Servidio last year. Yep. They've they've got guys. They've got guys in their system. They that have they vastly
1: like. improved their farm system.
0: But there aren't obvious answers. For the outfield spots, Cedric Mullins has staked claim to one of those spots. There's reason to believe Cedric Mullins will be a part of the Orioles for a long time. Hayes can never stay healthy. Hayes, the hamstrings are very concerned He looks good when he plays. Looks good when he plays. But look, it's McKenna hasn't really shown that he little spots here and there. And DJ Stewart, I think that chip's kind of sailed. You know. I mean, look, there's guys like Robert Newstrom who's hitting well in Bowie, and yeah, there's guys yeah, who mean, are, you've reason to be encouraged by, but they don't have these surefire, no. here's the plan for the future, and he's going to play this position. Right. So I have no reason to second-guess Mike Elias and company. Now, that's not to say that Colton Cowser's going to pan out. That's not to say that Three years from now, we're not going to look back on this draft and say, I can't believe they took Kowser over Rocker, Lawler, Khalil Green, or Watson, excuse me. Um, but we don't know. We truly don't. I mean, Michael Elias and company only, only know so much. They know a lot more than we do. And they made this decision through their... <laughs> Scouting, the same scout who scouted Grayson Rodriguez is the one who Correct. was in the lead for Kowser here, apparently dating back to his freshman year at Sam Houston State. And I, I'm not upset. I'm not. It's inherently disappointing to be sitting down, watching the draft, seeing guys that you've seen mocked anywhere from right. two through four available on the board and to see a guy who people have ranked at 9 or 10 be yeah, the pick. Correct. I understand the emotional side of yes. this as a fan, yes. as a draft fan, yeah, right? Like yeah. we Absolutely. always hear the best player available adage and that that seeps into your brain inherently. But again, you have to keep reminding yourself that this is a different beast than the NBA draft, than the NFL draft and it is the most inexact of any of them it is so by far with them far. putting a premium on a higher floor as opposed to the highest ceiling which by the way the ceiling for Colton Kowser is still pretty damn high it's
1: good yeah i mean this is this isn't like okay and i i, I apologize for not knowing the kid's name anymore and i don't even think it was during this regime with Elias, but they took some pitcher that was
0: Hobgood. Yeah, yeah. Like this is not Matt Hobgood. No, this isn't. Kouser was a top. He 10 He was a top pick. ten prospect.
1: Yeah. Okay, so yeah. I think you have to separate. I, 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 it's really tough as an Oriole fan to separate the two. Um, my, you know, because you go back to things like that because they're still relatively new and fresh in your mind. It's like this isn't a guy that was supposed to be taken at the back half.
0: Of the first round, and there were, by the way, some picks in the top ten that weren't the Orioles that reached even well, further were, no, look, than the Orioles look, look, did.
1: The, the, the whole if you if you followed things on Twitter and even people that were quote unquote major league baseball you know writers yep. and things like that, they were all surprised. Like you know the kid that the Red Sox took, the shortstop, well, was everybody's was, yeah. number one guy. Sure. I mean, and and he falls to four. Jackson
0: Job was heavily Job. linked to the Tigers throughout yeah, the course of the was. draft. He so was. there wasn't necessarily so much of a surprise, but I think Tigers fans were particularly PO'd that Meyer was on the board and they passed on right, him and they right. felt that Avila was sort of just zeroed in. But that's not our problem.
1: That's not no, but but Job, I mean, if you if you follow these things um, you know, as you went on, you know, it's sort of like when you do mock drafts for for the and I do it for the NFL mm-hmm. draft. You figure out who teams are locked in on, mm-hmm. and yeah. you mock them there. Sure. And sometimes you're right on. I had a guy from the Miami Dolphins this year text me uh, after the draft. He's like, "You nailed both of their picks." I was like, "Well, I didn't get much right, but I nailed those two because they were easy to read because that's all their scouts and everybody were talking about." Job was a guy that oh, exciting a, prospect exciting prospect yeah. the best i think off speed best curveball in the draft got, was,
0: um, every pitch he had like um, graded out at yeah. a 60 they had it up so
1: there. so but they were locked in on him so that didn't surprise me there uh lighter at two didn't surprise me but you i was know. thankful
0: i was thankful he went it too i was really glad he didn't go to the red sox because uh, uh, that kid Figures to be pretty damn good. Figures, he looked he looked <laughs> yeah. pretty good. And look, Marcelo Meyer pitch. could be incredible. He could end up being the next great shortstop in Boston Red Sox history. What, and the kid,
1: the, the shortstop Watson, the short, the the fell Marlins
0: to like down at sixteen. To
1: sixteen, yeah. I mean, you know, and you're you're watching people, the Reds fans saying, "Oh, maybe he's he's told everybody he's not signing." Some people or whatever. said, I guess
0: that was the guy that was the biggest choice for the Orioles at five, that the Elias and company really liked Watson. Yeah. Ended up going with Kowser. Now, there's a couple things also we need to remember about this draft. Due to the pandemic, not as much of a sample size to work with for these players. The Cape Cod League last year did not happen. That's a lot of information that scouts glean because they're using wood bats in that format. And so that's missed opportunities to see players. Obviously, the shortened season last year, people are going to overreact that Colton Cowser hitting 255 in 12 games and 55 at bats. Remind yourself, 55 at bats is a tenth of a season. Right? Uh, If Chris Davis hit 255 and 55 at bats, we'd be celebrating. Now, I get it. It's not a "wow, knock your socks off" type number, but he came back this year and across the board was damn impressive. Um, We won't know. Until three years from now, whether or not this was the right choice. Um, But again, I do know that they're far more qualified to make these decisions than us. And I will reiterate that this decision was not made in a vacuum. The money they saved here, presumably, and again, if it turns out the Orioles leave millions of dollars on the table in their bonus pool this year, then there's good reason to be upset. That would be a dereliction of duty from the Orioles' front office for leaving money on the table that could have gone to acquiring talent. But as we saw last year, when they drafted Heston Kerstad at number two and signed him for a value around number seven, they came back and had plans with that money, albeit Nick Bitsko was not on the board when they picked. The Rays plucked him, and they weren't able to use that money on the guy that most people seem to think was their target. But... Jordan Westberg looks pretty damn good right now. Yep. Hudson Haskin looks pretty damn good right now. They used that money on guys that perhaps would have been a little more lofty as far as price is concerned than their draft slot would have indicated. And there's plenty of reason to believe, there's every reason to believe, that that's their plan now for the next 19 rounds. Mike Elias said they will be very aggressive Look, until proven otherwise, I, I trust him. This is and was supposed to be his forte, scouting yes. and drafting. Yeah. The Astros have a pretty good track record entering his time there with Sigma Adol and all of them and now And granted, you don't know was responsible for what, right, but it was him. all right. sort of a brain trust. And yeah, no. certainly their input was involved. So...
1: I, I still trust. I still trust. Um... And, and and until given reason not to, um, you know, you have to. Uh, you got to kind of throw out last year a little bit. The the, you know, the top pick. I mean, it, it is what it is. Um, uh, yeah. I mean.
0: Uh, Look, like I said, uh, we can only uh, hope yeah. that Heston Kirstad recovers fully and is able to even baseball aside, just not have to deal with effing heart inflammation, right, a right. terrifying concept. Yes. So yes. That's unfortunate, and it it has set back the timeline for the Orioles' rebuild. It's inevitable. You have a number two overall pick that is currently not playing baseball. It's going to hurt you. But set that aside, and you have to evaluate this in its own context. Um, I talked to – we're going to talk to um, – I probably should have known his name. Uh, from <laughs> 2080 Scouting, uh, we're going to be joined by Nick – let me see – now that I've got this, by Nick Falaris. I chatted with him a little bit this morning to get his thoughts and some names for some targets that the Orioles maybe could zero in on with their picks in the next couple of rounds with the money they have saved on Colton Couser. And again, what he will sign for, exactly how much they've saved remains to be seen. I think that the consensus seems to think that the savings will not be as steep on Kowser as they were with Kerstad, but that's sort of, I guess, the nature yeah, of the two nature. versus five. Yeah,
1: yeah I was going to say, it would, it would have to be. But
0: um, Paul Moss, he, Paul from Obi Lando, of course, reached out and asked, do you think that maybe the Orioles could be considering some of the players that had committed to Clemson for football and baseball? And both of those names are two of the ones that were brought up as potential targets. Talking about Will Taylor who was a Clemson quarterback slash wide receiver commit, as well as Bubba Chandler, who was a Clemson quarterback commit as well. Those types of players are often intriguing. You know, the two-sport nature of these guys indicates that perhaps they haven't tapped fully into their baseball potential, and their upside is good. And certainly, I could absolutely see those being potential targets. Now, Will Taylor apparently is going to be expensive, not going to be easy to pry him away no, from college it's not. i don't know exactly how the orioles intend to split up their remaining boning pool whether they're going for one or two big bangs right. or having you know multiple where they're spending a little bit more but will taylor is certainly a name to watch for the orioles as is bubba chandler some other ones uh, judd fabian a florida outfielder i believe now you might be wondering oh college player i'm not sure that really fits with the overslot sort of game here but apparently he's turning 21 in September so he's younger right than the normal three-year college player so the leverage that he has to go back to college and perhaps up his value is significant and he was a guy entering this season who many people talked about as a potential top five talent yeah and in this and, draft
1: and it, it with the college kids with the the NIL it, it kind of it it gives them some option to have some money um, and go back if that's what they so choose. So sure. it's it, there's a little bit more leverage sure. from that standpoint as well.
0: Yep, but um, Fabian is another guy. He had uh, some serious strikeout issues that are, really did kind of tank his stock this year, but he also had some stretches there where he was absolutely dominant. So the tools are absolutely there for him now, whether the Orioles are zeroing in on him or somebody else, I can't say. A couple prep names to watch for. Anthony Salmito is a left-handed high school pitcher. Uh, people are very high on him. Uh, Josh Baez is another prep player that apparently people have you know some high thoughts on. And then one more here. Lonnie White Jr. If you're a Maryland football fan, you'll be happy to know he's a Penn State wide receiver recruit. So if they were to pry him away, that would make the oh, uh, Penn State Nittany Lions a little worse. He's apparently quite toolsy, but also maybe a little bit more polished than the normal two-sport type of player. Um, So there's guys out there. There are plenty of guys out there for the Orioles to zero in on and reallocate the money that they've saved to make this into not just one top prospect added to the system, but multiple. And that's really the name of the game here is volume. The Orioles are not going to rebuild this team with any one player picked at number five overall. No. So it's understandable that you were upset that you didn't really know who Colton Kalser was. But the number of players in this draft who you really did know who they were are three, four, five, maybe, unless you really do do this for a living. So Kumar Rocker, I understand. Look, I would have been happy to have Rocker on board. I would have been happy to add him to the penciled-in rotation for 2023 and feel good about the idea that I know they have another good pitching prospect in their system. If
1: they are really trying, they would have traded up to the number two. Yeah, right. There you go. (laughs) Yeah, that's
0: not an option in baseball, folks, although the compensatory selections can be traded. I don't think that we've seen any of that, though, this year.
1: I just have – real quick, and I know we are probably want to break – so the the funny thing is, I don't know how much you watched. If you actually watched it live on, on the, the draft, the draft, I was watching. I was watching. Um, first of all, Major League Baseball tried. They're trying. It was better. I, I will give it this. Now, yeah. now I I didn't watch the MLB coverage. I watched the ESPN coverage because I just can't take the MLB guys anymore with their coverage.
0: I like that. I mean, I like uh, I like Greg Amsinger. He's a good guy. Yes, dude. I do like him. Harold Reynolds can sometimes wear it. Yeah, a I,
1: I I I th- I'm just worn out from that. So I tried something new. Look, they gave it a shot. Um so I'm watching with my son and my son's like it's been it's been almost a half an hour. Um they've only drafted two guys. I was like, so it's just like the NFL draft. Yeah, What's right? your problem? He's yeah. like he's like, no it's not. I was like yeah it is. I was like, they never start till ten minutes after the draft goes on the sure, air, Sure, and we're a half hour in, and we're lucky if we had two or three picks. I was like, it it's was tradition. fine. It's draft it was tradition. Fine. And and then he's like, and then he's like, he's like, you're not going to watch this after the Orioles pick, are you? I go, no. I said, I just want to go through the Orioles pick, and then I'll turn it off.
0: My brother and I watched for probably the first twelve or fifteen picks, and then at that point, you're just kind of, you know, it's, it's just, just you must uh, be a once, huge baseball once, fan. Yeah,
1: one, once the. Once the the Orioles picked, we went to the pregame show of the NBA, and then we, you know, kind of just followed it online. We were like, okay, how far is Rocker going to fall? Mm-hmm. You know, I I like the the high school shortstop Lawler. How far was he going to fall? Watson stuff like
0: so. The that. national snag Brady House at eleven. Uh, another guy that. Yeah. I had mentioned earlier, Harry Ford ended up going to the Mariners at twelve, a little look, bit higher than they thought he was yeah, going to go. No, yeah. I mean, look, there's there was a lot of interesting names in this draft, but high school players are a crapshoot as far as their projection is concerned, and they're no guarantee to ever make had it to the big leagues. One. Had a local yes, high school kid. It's kick worth down. mentioning uh, Jackson Merrill, the Severna Park. High school, native, Baltimore, or I guess Baltimore area guy, yeah, yeah. Uh, was drafted 27th overall by the San Diego Padres. Uh, I'm hoping to maybe try and get him on at some point this week to discuss that, but definitely a thrilling thing for not only him, but for the high school and the program well, itself. Absolutely. So interesting to see uh, how that pans out. I imagine at 27 overall, it's hard to turn down a couple million dollars, though I'm sure he probably has prospects to play in college as well.
1: At, at Kentucky, yes.
0: Um. So... Still to come, as I mentioned, uh, the other side of this break, we will chat with Colton Kowser's college coach, Jay Siriani, the head coach of the Sam Houston State Bearcats. Bearcats with a K. Uh, we'll yeah, call in. Yeah, I don't really know how that works. Uh, we'll call in to talk about his selection and what we can come to expect. Maybe we'll talk a little bit about the game last night in basketball. Not a whole lot to say. I mean, DeAndre Ayton got in foul trouble from there. It was sort of just a blowout. Blow out. Um, but from a lot of people's understanding when that ref the head referee was put on this crew uh a lot of people expected there to be some perhaps foul trouble for the Phoenix Suns now whether or not you want to have conspiracies about the NBA and yeah. what they're doing here set that aside but interesting to see how that continues if the Bucks can even the series or if you know the Suns will simply delay the inevitable and take it in 5
1: Wednesday. and why Wednesday
0: um i don't know i can't tell you could not tell you why Wednesday, but it is Wednesday. It that is will Wednesday. be the next game, as uh, game four will be in Milwaukee before they end up going back to Phoenix. I got, um, a, I
1: got a, uh, a little tidbit that the Ravens fans will lose their mind about we can do that after the break if oh you yeah can. yeah
0: i do the tidbits around here i'm sorry all right well i'll allow it uh, today's show is brought to you by exxon mobile mobile one full synthetic motor oil helps extend engine life visit your local jiffy lube service center and ask for mobile one uh, on the other side of the break we will chat with colton cowsers head coach as jay Siriani is scheduled to call in this is glenn clark radio or glenn clarkless radio kyle Ottenheimer, ken zales We will be right back.
2: Here in Watch Out!
3: For the first time, the PGA Tour's FedEx Cup Playoffs is coming to Maryland. The top 70 players in the world converge on Kays Valley Golf Club for the 2021 BMW Championship, August 24th through 29th, 2021. Baltimore's iconic and challenging course provides the perfect test as the playoffs heat up. Tickets are now available. Don't miss your chance to watch the drama unfold. Visit BMWChampionship.com today.
0: 401- 9797 or go to c3america.com for a free analysis
4: this is how you get a premium
3: cup of coffee better and faster than the drip
0: drip drip method
3: and way better than a large urn of lukewarm coffee made who knows when at royal farms our new swiss made coffee machines grind fresh premium beans on the spot and then brew them one cup at a time for the freshest, most flavorful cup of premium coffee you can buy. This is Royal Farms Coffee. It's better because it's the freshest coffee in the world.
0: Real fresh, real fast. Royal Farms. Sports & Social Maryland is bringing the ultimate fan experience to you at live casino and hotel. We take sports viewing to the next level with a massive 100-foot media wall, 47-foot big screen, 40 HD TVs, extensive beer selection, big eats, in-venue gaming, bowling, and more. The perfect destination for sports enthusiasts and fun seekers. We're raising the sports bar at Sports & Social Maryland. Come see for yourself. Book your table now at sportssocialmd.com. That's sportssocialmd.com.
5: Hi, it's Glenn Clark for Window Nation. When it comes to cost and quality, Window Nation has you covered, saving you thousands more on your windows compared to national brands, while providing the same, if not better, quality. Want detail? Window Nation measures each window three times to ensure proper fit, and after they install your new windows, they leave your home cleaner than it was before. Get 50% off Every style window, plus put no money down, make no payments, and pay no interest for 24 months. 866-90NATION or visit WindowNation.com. Tell them Glenn Clark sent you Nation, the
0: perfect fit. The biggest pro wrestling stars today and all time all have one thing in common. You've heard them on Jobbing Out.
5: Matt and Nick Jackson, the Young Bucks. Thanks for having us, man. Appreciate it. Adam Cole. How are you guys doing today? And Matt Riddle. Yeah, man. Thanks, man. The Champ Drew. McIntyre. Oh, thank you for having me. The great Ron Simmons. Damn. Keith
3: Lee. Appreciate you guys having me, man. Bill Goldberg. My pleasure. Charlotte.
0: Thank you so much for having me.
3: Mick Foley is with us. This is the greatest name for a wrestling show I've ever
0: heard.
5: MJF.
3: I'm glad you're happy I'm on this show because I'm freaking
5: miserable. Chris Jericho, the champion.
0: AJ, Aaron, Brandon, and Glenn are talking pro wrestling every week on Jobbing Out. Find it at pressboxonline.com slash radio, iTunes, and SoundCloud. Tweet us
3: at Glenn Clark Radio. 21st Century Talk Radio at glenclarkradio.com. Glenn, Glenn Clark Radio.com.
0: And we are back. Glenn Clark Radio live from the Chesapeake Employers Insurance Studio here at Press box. Uh, Chesapeake Employers Insurance is your workers' compensation insurance specialist. Uh, today's show is also brought to you by the Toyota Highlander. Whether your focus is luxury and comfort, convenience and technologically advanced connectivity or sporty performance and aggressive styling, we've got the perfect Highlander for you. Check out buyatoyota.com for deals on new Highlanders from your local Toyota dealer today. Going to be joined by Jay Sirianni, head coach of Sam Houston State. In just a couple of minutes here, before we do that, Casey, what is your Ravens tidbit? So uh,
1: ESPN just uh, put out a, they surveyed more than 50 league executives, coaches, scouts, and players to help them build the top 10 players At 11 different positions. Okay. And they released today their quarterback rankings based on those that they talked to. I think I did see this list. And number one, (laughs) unsurprisingly. I can imagine.
0: It was probably Uh, uh, Sam Darnold?
1: uh, Probably. um, But Patrick Mahomes was was number one. Weird. Um, Aaron Rodgers came in at two. Okay. And Tom Brady came in at three. Okay. Lamar Jackson, which if you bring up his name and you're not from Baltimore and you don't love Lamar Jackson, Ravens fans kind of have a problem with that, was ranked eighth on this list. After Brady it went Wilson, Josh Allen, Matthew Stafford came in at six on this list. Dak Prescott, then Lamar, Mm -hmm. who was just ahead – of, who uh, was nine, Justin Herbert, Yeah. and Kyler Murray was 10.
0: Well, as as we all know, this list is the only thing that matters as this far as is, football this goes. This is just more all national disrespect. Yeah, well... I won't lose sleep over it. I'll tell you that much.
1: Or for Lamar Jackson.
0: Um <laughs> excited to chat with our next guest here as uh this is a man who knows Colton Kowser better than just about anybody else as he was his head coach at Sam Houston State for the last 3 seasons and uh we're looking forward to finding out a little bit more about just what Orioles fans can come to expect from Kouser as he takes his time and talents here to Baltimore. Joining us now, the head coach of the Sam Houston State Bearcats, he is Jay Siriani, Coach, it is Kyle and Ken here in Baltimore. Thank you so much for taking some time for us this morning. Congratulations to your program on having Colton selected so high.
2: Thanks, guys. Glad to be here. So,
0: Uh, First things first, Uh, you were the man who almost, it appears, discovered the talents and gave him the platform to really display him as Couser did not exactly have, or excuse me, have a wide market for his services when he was leaving high school. Um, Tell us a little bit about the first time that you saw Couser play and did you know then that this is somebody who was deserving of perhaps a little bit more recognition than he received?
2: Well, I was the pitching coach when we signed when we signed Kyle. Our, our you know our whole coaching staff uh, were a little bit spread out now, but um, you know he came to a hitting camp or a, or a hitting league is what we called it, and you know it was just one of those guys with a, his family had a tie to Sam Houston here, and and uh, it was. This kid has an idea how to hit, and he's going to grow into his body and and all that. And and so, very fortunate to to get the chance to coach him, that's for sure.
1: So, Coach, uh, you know, it's Casey um, here. And uh, what I want to know, for for Baltimore fans, okay, because you get caught up. The baseball draft is so crazy with the high school and the college. Um, You know, we don't get a whole bunch of information Give us a, a thumbnail sketch of what he brings to the table for for Baltimore Oriole fans.
2: Well, one, he's a very consistent player. Um, the kid's never had a bad day as far as the way he plays. He plays really hard day in and day out. Winning's really important to him. Um, but he's the same, same guy every day, and he, he's going to control the strike zone. He's got really good bat-to-ball skills. Um, but I think more importantly – He's he's got a smile on his face and he loves to compete. So um, he's fun to he's fun to watch. He's fun to be around, and he's he's just kind of one of those kids that you like to have in in your foxhole, so to speak.
0: I, I saw a quote from you that I found interesting. Obviously, left-handed hitters, the prototype generally is they prefer the ball down in the zone, and that's their roundhouse or wheelhouse as far as where they're able to generate power and have success. <laughs> It uh, doesn't exactly seem to be the case with Kowser. You mentioned that he he hits the ball up very well, and I think that probably has a lot to do with, in general, his bat-to-ball skills, as you mentioned. But I take it there is no mistake that he had more walks than strikeouts this year.
2: No, he's got a really good feel for what the strike zone is, and number and number two, he's a, he's a student of the game. He's always watching. He he understands or tries to figure out as quick as possible how guys are going to pitch, not only him, but trying to pitch the lineup. And and so he, he understands the balls he can hit hard, and he tries, he, he does a really good job of not chasing, staying out of that. That um, He puts himself in a position to, to, to be successful, and I think that's a big key for, for being a good hitter.
1: So everybody always focuses on the offense because uh, we all dig the long ball and things like that. But uh, talk to me a little bit about defensively, Uh you know, center field, right field, left field, even a little bit third base. He's kind of played a little bit of everywhere. Uh, right now it looks like the Orioles want him to stay at center field. But talk to me a little bit about his defense, uh, his defensive skills.
2: Well, you know, the third base was an experiment just from a scrimmage one day, and it kind of worked for a little bit. Then then we realized that wasn't going to happen. <laughs> um, but I don't want to be the guy that says he can't play center field. He's not – He's done nothing but play it really really well for the time that he's been here um you know and 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 so i i don't want to be the guy that that says he goes to the corner i I think he'd be a really good center fielder and um he gets good jumps he knows exactly who and where to throw it um and when. so uh he, he's got a really good feel for the game and i think when you have a, a good feel you try to keep those guys in the middle of the field for as long as possible one thing
0: that stuck out to me when I did a little research was what appeared to be his, his work ethic and his understanding of not only his strengths, but maybe what he needs to improve on. And with limited experience at center field, I think it seems like he really prioritized not only optimizing his route to the baseball, understanding how to read and learn about hitters and maybe their tendencies, but also working on his arm and making it into – maybe more of a strength than it was when he showed up. Um, how how strong is his work ethic, and just how much did he improve as far as maybe the path to the ball and also his arm strength since he was there?
2: Well, you know, I, it's a weird thing. The quarantine or us getting our season shut down in 20 was probably a benefit for Colton. He, he was able to sit down and kind of look at not only his strengths but his weaknesses, and um, he spent that time really... Long tossing, working on his on his on his routes defensively, and and then obviously his swing. He just keeps ironing it ironing it in better and better. And um, but it, it's I, I'll give you an example. I mean, we're we're taking BP before a game, and he's playing as shallow as possible, and he's going to get everything that's over his head. And, and later after BP, I'm like, "What were you doing?" And he goes, "I I just haven't gotten good jumps." going back to my left lately and so I wanted to do it so he's he's always very self-aware of how he's playing and what he needs to work on and and I think when you bring that day in and day out it's it's pretty easy to coach you just try to get out of the way
1: Speaking of 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 uh, maybe not totally getting out of way, but the the pandemic and and what it helped with, it seemed like coming out of the pandemic, the power numbers went up. Is that something um, that he worked on specifically with 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 uh, your staff, or is that just something that came naturally as he matured as a baseball player?
2: Well, I think the power, you know, I think everybody was like, it's going to be there at some point. I don't know when, how, or where it's going to show up. Um, I think if you asked us, it probably showed up a little earlier than we thought. But um, once again, it was to pitch selection. It was to, to strike zone awareness. And, and then the strength obviously came during the time where uh, we we weren't having to play or we weren't allowed to play. And, and so I think it was just kind of a perfect storm for him to to have the power numbers show up a little bit Sooner than I think everybody thought.
0: How much of a testament is it to his overall hitting ability that he didn't compromise his average despite that uptick in power?
2: Well, at the end of the day, Colton's a hitter. He 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 wants to get his hits. He you know he he wants to get on base at at the end of the day, and he's not gonna give in to one to to get the other. He's if the the pitch is there to to run it out of the yard, so to speak, um, he'll take advantage of that, but. He's going to go up, get hits, and, you know, at the end of the day, he wants to score and win games. And, and I think he's not going to compromise the strike zone or his swing or his approach to, to just give get one number to go up. He he wants to be the total hitter or the complete hitter. and um, But he, he's starting to understand it and understand when to, to kind of jump on a ball and, and that kind of thing. So he didn't really go out with the idea that I'm going to, you know, hit 16 jacks.
0: Mm-hmm. We – uh. We know that based on a little bit of research that he, as far as hobbies are concerned, actually has a pretty interesting one. I I heard that his preferred off baseball activity is woodworking and that he spends a lot of time uh, crafting various things out of, you know, I mean, I imagine he's probably maybe made his own wooden bat before. Now, if you had to have a piece of furniture constructed, is he good enough to the point where you would call Colton and say, hey, I got a side project for you I'm going to need a set of dining room chairs. Have you seen any of his work personally?
2: I've seen some of his work. I don't know if it'd be a a dining room chair. (laughs) Um, You know, during quarantine, once again, uh, we were locked down, weren't able to use the weight room for a little while, so him and his roommates just built a squat rack, and they figured (laughs) out how to to put it all up. And and, I mean, it held enough weight for those guys to be able to squat (laughs) and bench and do all that. So, uh, yeah, colton he 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 likes that side he actually got his degree in construction management and so um he likes that side of it that's for sure And, and i think it's a way for him to pass some time and the slow methodical uh work that it takes to do woodworking kind of fits baseball too so
0: have you seen him i know obviously they use aluminum bats in college have you seen him swing a wooden bat before
2: Oh yeah, yeah. Uh, for the last couple of weeks, he's been coming up, and and I've been throwing BP to him. He's been testing out different bats and this and that. And um, you know, I think the swing, as simple as it is, will play well with a wood bat. It's not very, it's not long. It's it's pretty short to the path or short to the ball. And um, you know, I, I think it's going to be fine. Any
1: uh, as a coach, I mean, uh, any advice you gave him. Uh, leading up to the draft and, and as he finds his way in his professional
2: life? Well, you know, I, I, we were we were talking maybe the day before the draft, and it was kind of the first time that I could feel like he was starting to get a little nervous. And, you know, I, I said the draft is what it is, and you're going to fall where you fall. Um, don't worry about it because the two, three, five minutes after your name's called, you know, the next – the next pursuit happens the next journey happens and that's to get to the big leagues and just enjoy it keep doing and and stay stay with who you are as a person and as a player and and those things will work out for you but um i'm sure as this thing goes uh the relationship side with us is is always the most important side and so hopefully we can help him along the way do you have maybe one particular story about Colton that
0: sticks out when you think about not only the type of player that he is but the type of person that he
2: is? Uh, I There's a lot of them. I, you know, I, I think we kind of try to keep those to ourselves, mm-hmm. but I think the big thing is his awareness of his teammates and, you know, how so-and-so's doing or this and that and it's not always baseball. It's like he's not in a good spot. Maybe we need to all, you know, kind of spend some time with so-and-so mm-hmm. and but his awareness of of people and, and his relationships with his teammates will always kind of those are those are the special ones for us. Um, he loves to win, but he but he also understands that you know we're all just trying to do as, as good as we can and and continue to win games. So that's kind of the kid he is. He, he's got a really good feel for that stuff.
0: Well, Coach, uh, I can only imagine how much of a thrill it is to have one of your own drafted so early, and I'm sure it won't hurt when you're uh, visiting prospective recruits and you can point out, hey, this guy that uh, we developed, he's now a top 100 prospect in MLB baseball. So congratulations to you and and your program on on what I can only imagine is really a a thrilling moment for you guys.
2: Absolutely. It's exciting, and, and, you know, it just... For me, it's more, it's more about for Colton and, and those guys. I mean, he's put in the work, and we're excited for him and his family, and it couldn't have happened to, to a better kid and a better family. So whatever we can do to help him get, get to the top, we'll do it. Well, we really
0: appreciate you taking the time for us this morning, Coach. Uh, thanks for taking it, and uh, we're really excited to see what Colton Couser can bring in a Baltimore Orioles uniform.
2: Absolutely, guys. Have a great day.
0: Thank you. You too. You too. Uh, there he goes, uh, Jay Sirianni, head coach of the Sam Houston State Bearcats, telling us a little bit about just the type of not only player, uh, but person that Colton Cowser is. And there's not a whole lot to dislike based on what we just heard.
1: Left-handed, woodwork. Yeah, right. You know, it was an interesting. <laughs> interesting little tidbit. I was like, oh man, like okay, Ron know, Swanson if he, over here. If he comes up with a bat with his own name up, I'm, I'm all in.
0: That'd be pretty funny. <laughs> he apparently is interested in in constructing the engineering side of things, constructing his own house or something like that. So uh, designing and constructing and all that. So we're not only a guy with aspirations in baseball, but I imagine that with his first contract he just signed, he might have a little bit of a budget to work with as well. So uh, really excited to see what Colton Cowser can bring uh, to the Orioles organization. And look, bat-to-ball skills are as important as there are as a hitter. Um, you can have all the profiling of power in the world if you can't make contact if you can't choose pitches correctly and choose which ones to be aggressive on that power doesn't really mean anything so extremely encouraging to see uh how few times he struck out yes uh his on base skill and the amount of time people just talk about how selective he is but also aggressive he is when he gets his pitch those are all traits that you want in a hitter um I am certainly excited to see what he can do in an Orioles uniform, and it'll be interesting to see like exactly how he profiles defensively whether yeah. they, I mean I'm sure they'll put him at center for as long as they need to, and then if they have to move him they will but yeah. um the arm uh, looks like it's legit, and
1: I think the center field thing is how quickly do you, does he progress through the system, and where is molin if Mullins is cons is well, if is this guy is this guy yeah. that's what I mean if Molins is this guy then you probably move him. Uh, I, I think from what I read, uh, like you said, the quick research we did, uh, right field seems like the second most obvious uh, position. His
0: arm is, is plenty good enough. And again, Heston Kerstad notwithstanding, if Kirstad right. recovers fully, right. I think right. he's probably still the right fielder of the future in but general. But, but let's, of course, yeah, right. we yeah. cannot take anything for granted right. in that right. regard. Exactly. Um, John Keller, of course our friend down at uh, Little Rock, mentioned that uh, any time... That you can get a five-tool player, no matter where you pick him, is great in my book. If you don't know who Colton is, that's on you. He's a great hitter and a good fielder. He says he watched a ton of college baseball this year, and rocker is good, but not an ace. So, we have John's stamp of approval. Uh, Tony asked on Facebook, whatever happened to use El Diaz? Uh, he's currently yeah. OPSing about 502 at Norfolk, so he's in Norfolk and not
1: in uh, Baltimore. That's all you need to know.
0: Leaves a little bit desired. He's still only 24 years old, so it's not as if like he's now not a prospect and never has... But look, injuries have been a problem for him, and it is also important to remember that he was an acquisition made by the previous regime. Um, obviously, he was the headliner in the Manny Machado trade, but the criticisms in that trade is not about the players they got back, but when they decided to do it. And unfortunately, that was um, what most set back the Orioles in this rebuild. But again, that was not Michael Elias and company. That was Dan Duquette and them, although Dan Duquette surely, I don't think, was probably the one who was pushing for Machado to be traded so late, if it was a reality that was going to happen but no some good stuff there from jay Siriani as we found out a little bit more about the makeup of cows not just on the diamond but uh between his ears and uh hard to be discouraged yeah. by what it is we've heard and again like he's not going to say anything negative about no him, of course
1: not but, but but it didn't
0: sound like he had much to say that would have been negative um no. and it's hard like, to think you would
1: no it's hard to think you would but but also i mean when you the thing, the thing that right away that, you know, when you open with uh, he's the same kid every single day, yep. that speaks a lot. I mean, it doesn't get too high, doesn't get too low, just goes out and does his business. That's the type of guy you want.
0: And, no doubt about it. Yeah. Um, yeah, that consistency and approach in general as a hitter, right? Right. I can't say enough how important it is to have a good contact tool. Um, we've been hurt by players in the past who are unable to, you know, hit and strike out too much, and that's oftentimes it feels more accepted in baseball today, more and more as the game progresses. Uh, It does not sound like Colton Kowser is the type of player who would be okay with striking out over 100 times. Uh, Nor is there much to suggest that is the type of player he's going to be. Now, obviously, he'll have to adjust to the change in competition and the advancement as he goes through the minor leagues. It's you know, not unfair to point out that Sam Houston State was not playing the Blue Bloods in college baseball all that often. But you can only play who you play. And you can remind yourself Cedric Mullins played at Campbell University, which is even further down than Sam Houston State. So certainly exciting and uh, exciting times to see exactly what it is he can bring to the Baltimore Orioles. Uh, First hour is just about in the books. Today's show is also brought to you by C3 American Exteriors. Call C3 American Exteriors to get roof and siding repairs for the cost of your home insurance deductible. Don't let the insurance industry get one over on you. Call C3 at 410-401-9797 or go to c3america.com for a free analysis. We are going to take our second break of the show. On the other side, uh, we'll talk to Paul Valley in just a little bit. Maybe we'll talk a little bit of basketball and maybe even a little football before then. This is Glenn Clark Radio. Ken Zalas and Kyle Ottenheimer from the Chesapeake Employers Insurance Studio here at PressBox. We will be right back. Sports and Social Maryland is bringing the ultimate fan experience to you at Live Casino and Hotel. We take sports viewing to the next level with a massive 100 foot media wall, 47 foot big screen, 40 HD TVs, extensive beer selection, big eats, in venue gaming, bowling, and more. The perfect destination for sports enthusiasts and fun seekers. We are raising the sports bar at Sports and Social Maryland come see for yourself. Book your table now at sportssocialmd.com. That's sportssocialmd.com. Here it
2: watch out!
0: for the first time,
3: the PGA Tour's FedEx Cup Playoffs is coming to Maryland. The top 70 players in the world converge on Kays Valley Golf Club for the 2021 BMW Championship, August 24th through 29th, 2021. Baltimore's iconic and challenging course provides the perfect test as the playoffs heat up. Tickets are now available. Don't miss your chance to watch the drama unfold. Visit pmwchampionship.com today.
1: Hey, everybody, this is Chris Ruling from Great Eights Memorabilia, and we want to invite you out to Jimmy's Famous Seafood on Sunday, July 25th. We will be there for the Casey Cares Return to Training Camp Crab Feast with Baltimore Raven linebacker Ty Bowser. Tickets are on sale now at GreatEightsMemorabilia.com. That's great, the number eight, letter S memorabilia.com and remember you always have a chance to be great
0: redefine your skills inspire change and make a difference
3: The journey begins on remote mountain farms and plantations in the lush tropical regions of countries like Colombia and Brazil, where the best coffee beans are grown. The beans are harvested by hand, carefully sorted, bagged, shipped, and finally roasted. And the journey ends as your cup of rich, flavorful Royal Farms coffee, the freshest and best coffee in the world, real fresh, real fast, Royal Farms.
5: Hi, it's Glenn Clark for Window Nation. When it comes to cost and quality, Window Nation has you covered, saving you thousands more on your windows compared to national brands, while providing the same, if not better, quality. Want detail? Window Nation measures each window three times to ensure proper fit, and after they install your new windows, they leave your home cleaner than it was before. Get 50% off every style window plus put no money down make no payments and pay no interest for 24 months 866 90 nation or visit WindowNation.com. tell them glenn clark sent you WindowNation, the perfect fit
0: the latest edition of press box is available now On the cover, Thomas Kenzora profiles University of Maryland quarterback Talia Tongavailoa and his chance to deliver the Terps to Big Ten prominence this year. Also inside, Bo Smolka breaks down the Ravens' offensive line, a look at Coppin State's Olympic connection, and much more. PressBox is available for free at over 500 area locations, including 60 Royal Farm stores. And you can always find the entire edition, as well as the best daily coverage of the Orioles, Ravens, and Terps at PressBoxOnline.com.
3: RL. You are listening to Glenn Clark Radio, Glenn Radio. Radio at GlennClarkRadio.com.
0: And we are back, Glenn Clark Radio from the Chesapeake Employers Insurance Studio here at PressBox. we got about 15 or so minutes until we're connecting with Paul Valley, host of the bat Around. And I figure this is as good a time as any to uh, pick the brains of the PressBox fantasy football analyst, uh, Ken Zalis. Well, it's a good
1: time as any. But...
0: It is nearing that time. Time of year, we talked to somebody on Friday about some fantasy football. Not a guest this morning, but maybe throughout the course of the week we'll have a few more on. But KZ, I want to get your thoughts on the landscape that is, of course, your favorite running backs. So, it's always a bit of a crapshoot. Volume is king, right? You're better to load your team up with six to seven running backs and hope that three or four of them hit. And if you have more than you have spots to play, then you got some good trade bait. But not necessarily in the top couple rounds. I know you mentioned a bit on Friday the guys you mentioned, Mike Davis, a couple names that are going a little bit later that might be valuable. But I want to see the guys a little bit further down, the ones who you don't really think about as... Being options, I know. Once upon a time, you were very high on. I mean, ironically, you mentioned during the break, Marlon Mack yes. as somebody you could get as late as the eleventh round, Correct. who could end up being nearly a running back two for you. Um, are there any guys this year that stick out to you as being real, real values at the position?
1: So, uh, you know, I I think um, if you believe everything coming out of New England, um, Damian Harris is a guy that you can get sixth round maybe that that seems like he's going to go into the season. I know we all try to avoid the New England backfield like the plague. And, Hard and, to predict, Yeah. And with Cam there, you know, the goal line carries are kind of cut in half to be kind. Um, but, you know, Damian Harris seems like a guy that's going to win that job um, going into uh, training camp that can be had there. Uh, he was impressive in times last at year. At times, he's yeah. he's always been impressive. Definitely not their pass catching
0: running back, right? No, but no,
1: I mean, James White is still there, yep. so you know, you, in, in a PPR, you lose. But again, you're looking for guys. We're not talking about the first five rounds. We're now looking for guys that can get us volume, and if he and, and volume at that point is our guy's going to get 15 touches sure. a game and get me maybe get rarer me 10 and fin- rarer in today's day. Yeah, age. it's t- it's it's tough. Um, I think you look at, at Detroit, and I know everyone loves Swift and, and what he did at times, but they paid some money and brought in Jamal Williams from, from Green Bay. He's going to have a role. Um, how much that cuts into Swift, uh, we'll, we'll see. I mean, we have a new quarterback there and things like that, so uh, we don't – really know what they're going to do in the passing game because yep. they've, they've <laughs> lost some receivers. I'd be
0: surprised if they were leading the league in pass attempts again.
1: I, I, I would be stunned. Of course, with um, Stafford,
0: that was nearly almost a guarantee it for was, a while It
1: there. was a guarantee. Um, plus, they were bad. No, so, no. Um, but, you know, Jamal Williams is one of those guys that, you know, we, we look at that we say, you know what, um, as my fifth running back maybe on my team, I'm going to take a shot with him. I think he has a he has a role no matter what. Um, Houston's one of those places that Still you, lo- to be you seen, look right? at. We have no earthly idea what they're doing. We don't know anything about their quarterback, their wide receivers. Their, we don't know a lot about them. But I know there's a guy there that they brought in uh, along with a million other running backs. But the first guy they brought in was Phillip Lindsay And, Phil Blinsey's a guy that has been productive when he has played football. No doubt. And he's always been the second guy. um, Got some pass-catching ability. Pass-catching ability. um, David Johnson, look, he's still there. He's... Still a top of the depth chart, but
0: you know he's as valuable as DeAndre Hopkins. Remember?
1: Yeah, I know. I do. Um, you know, well, in Houston anymore? Uh, you know, but you look at you look at a guy like that. I I, I like to get him on my teams. Um, he's
0: often available in the eighth or ninth round, late, and people late. seem to just kind of perpetually undervalue yeah, Philip Lindsay.
1: He is another guy that is undervalued. Um, that that I'm willing to take a chance on still. Um, and maybe this is a fifth round guy, but Melvin
0: Gordon. I remember that was um, that was the guy that who we talked. Kyle Elfrink was perhaps most bullish on as yeah, far as giving I mean, you some some real value at running back.
1: I mean, look, we li- we like Javante Williams, um,
0: the UNC, the UNC right.
1: guy, but he was always he was in a timeshare at UNC. We don't know what he what he's going to do. We know Melvin Gordon is probably going to be the goal line car- guy mm-hmm. no matter what. But he's still on the roster. They're still, you know, there's still
0: maybe close to 200 carries. Yeah,
1: I mean, he's he's in a good offense, what should be a very. Depending good, on Drew Lock. Well, I mean, they have they have they parts. Have talent, they yes. have parts. They have lots of parts that would lead you believe that they're not going to put eight guys in the box, uh, you know, to stop Melvin Gordon. Um, so I I I don't mind I don't mind taking a shot on Gordon. I don't like. I would take him as my RB three, and that's about as high as I want to mm-hmm. take him. Um, if I'm relying on him as my RB2, I've probably done the draft wrong to start. Uh, you you know,
0: better have the best tight end in the league. Right? Yeah,
1: you better, have, you better <laughs> have something. You better have something really, really good um, if you go that way. In fact, I'm going to do a, uh, uh, a mock draft uh, this week where I start my draft off by taking uh, Travis Kelsey.
0: Which you, have to, he's okay. which you
1: have to take in the first round this year if you're going to get
0: him. If you have the pick around twelve and he's sitting there, it's yeah, definitely yeah. enticing. But
1: we've seen him go anywhere from six to ten uh, early on.
0: I mean, he's a wide receiver one, right? Like production wise. Yes, production wise. So, and
1: so you know, so you so you look at you know if you if you didn't go in that manner, um, I I still think Dobbins is highly underrated. Uh, maybe that's my. Baltimore bias. You um, know in. the
0: talents there, right? Now we do. The um, question still somewhat remains over the split between he and Edwards. Correct. If he's improved his pass blocking enough to warrant being on the field for that, third that down,
1: uh, I've been getting him in my as my RB three everywhere I can in the third round because I tend to go running back, running back, running back. Mm-hmm. I'm very happy with that. Sure. Um, you know, I just uh, I just started a draft where I took. Uh, Top two picks from the seven hole. I got Jonathan Taylor somehow at seven. Okay. And following him up with Gibson, and and Dobbins will be my
0: – Gibson's the guy that I have the biggest crush on entering the year, and I know it's and, and I risky. The, and, and I have the
1: biggest question mark on him.
0: I get it. I get I do. it. But I just still can't shake – never really understood how he was so underutilized in the I, passing I, game I last year. That.
1: I totally agree with that. But McKissick is still there, I get and it. McKissick is still really good – at catching the ball out of the backfield. Look,
0: I hear you. I don't disagree. That said, as impressive as Gibson was between the tackles, just purely as a runner,
1: I, I, I can't
0: shake the idea that they are going to put more on his plate. And they were giving him the ball a lot when he was healthy last year. And he was putting up monster performances. Is he? You'd have to take him early second round, I presume, right? Gibson? Yeah. Yeah. He's not gonna fall past sixteen or so. I mean maybe uh, maybe to twenty.
1: Maybe to twenty. You're not he's not gonna be there in the third round. He's not gonna he's gonna go somewhere in the middle to late second round, most likely. I've seen him taken as early as the turn. If somebody goes running back, running back, twelve team league, twelve thirteenth pick, you know, you do that. Um you know, some other guys, I, I still love James Robinson. I get the ETN thing. Um,
0: They're not actually just going to make him a receiver, are they? They're just lining him up and moving him around.
1: They're they're figuring out ways that they can get both him and Robinson on the field Mm -hmm. at the same time. Look, I I I get it's a new coaching staff, and they didn't bring James Robinson in, and you know (laughs) he was so good in every metric you can think of to evaluate how good a running back was. He was really good. He's not going away. Um, Zach Moss is another guy that I really like that you can get late. Again, the upside with the goal line carries because of, of sure. Allen is a little bit limited, but but I, I don't... I Singletary
0: don't, certainly hasn't taken claim to that he job. Has right? not, and he has not. They didn't bring anybody else in to compete, really. They did not. Yeah.
1: You know, And then, you know, uh, <sighs> Damian Williams in, in Chicago is a guy that I won't really late on my team. Is he an Alabama guy? Um no, 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 where'd he play? He was in Kansas City. The oh previous... yeah,
0: yeah, yeah. He skipped last season due to yeah, COVID. Yeah, yeah he's okay. now
1: the backup to Montgomery. Montgomery was horrible for the first eight weeks. We know Killed he was great. End, yeah. we know how I know, great the he schedule was. schedule was cake. We know how great he was at the end of the year. Um, yes, but as a as a as a dart throw late in drafts as my if he's my wide uh, wide receiver, he's my running back five mm-hmm. maybe six. I don't have a problem with that.
0: So I will lead off this part of the segment by saying the most appears to be hyped rookie entering this year, not only for running backs but in general is probably Najee Harris. Um, Now they still need an offensive lineman or line. Are you saying that Kyle Pitts is the most hyped? Yeah. Well, okay, okay. Those two being probably requiring a top four round pick. Yeah. To secure? Yeah. Who are the rookies that maybe people aren't mentioning? Jamar Chase obviously will go pretty high. But who are the ones that people aren't mentioning quite as much who you expect will be providing value this year?
1: I love Devonta Smith in Philadelphia. I thought it was a perfect landing spot.
0: Even though Jalen Hurts and how much they throw sort of remains to be seen? They're
1: going to figure out ways to get Smith the ball. So I I think – I think you're going to see him maybe average two to three runs a week. Interesting. Um, but they're going to get him the What ball- could go
0: wrong with giving a guy who weighs 168 pounds soaking wet carries, you know?
1: Um. You know, but he can outrun you. I so, hear you. You know, same thing that's wrong with a running quarterback, right? Deshaun
0: Jackson uh, broke a few runs, know, I'm sure.
1: You know, I, I – I. him, Waddle, uh, you know, all the rookies Do you that, trust Miami? No, yeah. I don't, but – Again, I look at I, I. I always I always I always go to the talent. I always go to the talent. He's so talented. Figure out he doesn't have to. Doesn't always have to be the long ball with him. He's well, short. you don't
0: always go to the talent if your number one wide receiver was Rashad Bateman. and You haven't brought him up yet.
1: I'm getting there. <laughs> I'm getting there. Yeah, I got to go down my list.
0: Well, I hear you. Waddle, you like?
1: I, I do. I do like Waddle.
0: He figures to get some carries maybe as well. He
1: does. Um, I'm gonna go off the board for a guy that people probably aren't talking a whole bunch about at the wide receiver position, but uh Amon Ra St. Brown is probably gonna be a highly targeted guy in uh in Detroit. They don't have anything.
0: Yeah, of course they no longer have Galladay or Marvin or Jones. Or Marvin Jones. Right. You got
1: you got uh Cephus uh there who, you know, show shows some things. But then you go to guys that are in situations that, you know, I don't know what the volume's going to be. Tony in in, for the Giants. They got a ton of wide receivers. How does he fit into everything? And then you go to Bateman. And. As much as I like Bateman, and and I'm not bringing up the obvious with like chasing guys like that, uh, you know he's yeah Jamar
0: Chase is pretty much as yeah, good of a I prospect of I mean, wide receivers yeah, come along I mean, in a while. He and Joe Burrow already have chemistry. Correct. Figure, I mean he's going to be targeted. Would you take him over T Higgins? No, I would not. I like Higgins a lot.
1: I like Higgins yeah. a lot, um, especially. Especially coming in the year two, and and look, that's a that's another situation with Chase. Everybody loves Chase. He's going too early for me in drafts.
0: Where's he going? Fifth. Uh,
1: he, he's going like in the fifth round. Is the first Bengal. Receiver taken. I mean Higgins. And Boyd, yeah. I mean Boyd's a Boyd is a catch machine and a Boyd PPR. Boyd was a
0: ninth round still.
1: Yeah, it's it's criminal. Han- Boy, I can build so many teams by going running back early and maybe even getting a wide re- uh, maybe even getting a tight end before I take a wide receiver and go Landry Boyd and be perfectly happy with my two hundred plus targets. Now, this is keeping
0: in mind full point PPR. Correct. More likely, yes. Correct. Yeah, Correct.
1: full point PPR. Uh, and then there's Bateman. And look, I. I really love this kid as a prospect. Everybody knows. I mean, even more so than than Chase. And, and I know how good Chase is, but Bateman's my wide, wide receiver one. Maybe it's a little bit me trying to be different than everybody else type of thing. Mm-hmm. But I really love that. I mean, I truly, when I was going to scout Tyler Johnson the year before, I'm like, it's all Bateman. It's Bateman, Bateman, Bateman. And uh, he did nothing in the abbreviated season to say to me, well, he's not that guy. How many footballs are thrown in his direction? And you're a running team first. Mm-hmm. And you have uh, a tight end that's going to get 75 sure. plus targets. You have what we hope are is. Are you
0: still taking Hollywood over Bateman?
1: I'm not taking Hollywood. I mean, in Where, trans- where's, where's
0: Hollywood going? The fifth, sixth?
1: Oh, no. Seventh. I
0: mean, there's value there. and there's value. Oh, okay. yeah.
1: there, there's definitely value there. Um, but he's your he's your wide receiver three or four, and Bateman's your wi- wide receiver f- five four or, six, or five, yeah. five or five or six. And mm-hmm. and and it's not it's a it's again about it's about like you started this whole segment. Volume is king in fantasy, and we just don't know what the volume's going to be. I mean, if he gets seventy-five targets and catches fifty balls. I think it's a great season for sure. him as a rookie. I just don't know that that volume's there. I don't know,
0: I, I mean, how many times is... Or even that 50 catches is warranted for fantasy starting, right?
1: Right. Well, it's not. Right. It's not. So that's why he's your wide receiver, four, or five, or six. Um, but you love the talent. Um,
0: what about guys like Elijah Moore and Amari Rogers?
1: <sighs> Again, like the talent, I, I mean, I, I can't see it this year. I mean... Uh, More, more, more than Rodgers. Um, I mean, Devontae
0: Adams, obviously, is... Well... I mean, this is all assuming Aaron Rodgers is... Well, yes, everything, everything, I mean, you
1: can't, you can't, everything with, I mean, like right now when we're doing best balls and we're doing mock drafts, we're just assuming Rodgers is playing. I mean, you can't not, I mean, Rodgers is falling later, and, and even Adams is falling later than he should in these best ball leagues, because some people are like, well... I don't know. He's like be I've seen Adams as the fifth wide receiver to go in some of these. I mean, he's wide receiver 1 assuming Rodgers is playing. So, all of this, if Rodgers doesn't play, yep. I mean, a, especially Amari yeah. Rodgers, I mean, he's undraftable. <laughs> um it's 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 weird with more. It, it's a little it's a little different Nobody with more. I don't idea what have the Jets any look like. yeah. I don't know what the Jets are doing. Um I don't know I don't know what the Jets are doing. Um it seems like they You know, if you believe anything, if you read anything into preseason depth charts that they've soured on Mims a little bit, Uh, they bring in Corey Davis um, to be supposedly their wide receiver one. So, again what's there really left how, uh, good, is I, in how, how good is zach wilson how good is well yeah yeah you don't know so to me I, I can see him going undrafted in fantasy as well yeah
0: well interesting uh today's show before we connect with paul valley is also brought to you by sports and social maryland and they are bringing the ultimate fan experience to you at live casino and hotel we take sports viewing to the next level with a massive 100 foot media wall 47 foot big screen 40 HD TVs, extensive beer selection, big eats, in-venue, gaming, bowling, and more. The perfect destination for sports enthusiasts and fun seekers, we're raising the sports bar at Sports and Social Maryland. Come see for yourself. Book your table now at sportssocialmd.com. That's sportssocialmd.com. KZ, while I connect with Paul Valley, I'll give you one more fantasy football question. Not Kyle Pitts, but... Who are the tight ends that will be going later in the draft? Uh, in the mold of once upon a time Julius Thomas, who could find themselves being a top five player at the position. Ooh, top five. Top five is be. Top seven. There's normally only like eight good. Tight I mean, ends I think I football. think
1: I think you start that list. Look, I, I think the the top three, whatever order you want to put them in, after Kelsey. Um, you know, it's Waller and, and Kittle and then you, you bring Mark Andrews and Hawkinson into it. My my next guy is Dallas Goddard. Um, we're assuming that Zach Ertz is somewhere else by the time they actually start playing football. If that's the case, you got to like uh, Goddard. You got to like what he what he brought to the table when Ertz was hurt. Um, last year when Ertz was hurt last year and and the and what he did late in the season, he's definitely a red zone guy. I think you can't discount Logan Thomas. Um you like the volume there. I know they added uh, Curtis Samuel, but you gotta look at you gotta like Logan Thomas and I still I believe if if somehow Jimmy Graham can move to the side. Oh, okay. I thought Cole you were Komet, suggesting okay, yeah, could yeah, yeah. Yeah, be, be that guy that really propels into mm, that he looked, discussion.
0: He looked um, better than most tight yes, end rookies yes, do. Let's put yes. it that way.
1: So um, the Graham thing has to work its way out. Maybe it does uh, with a late cut or something course, like that. Of course, we always
0: give the Bears the benefit of the doubt offensively, don't we? No, we do. <laughs> uh, we're going to transition back to a little bit of baseball talk. As you hear him Saturday mornings in this same studio, he is the host of the batter Around Paul Valley joins us now on Glenn Clark Radio. Paul, it's Kyle and KZ here. Thank you for joining us this morning. How's it going, man? Doing pretty well. How are you guys doing today? Can't complain. Can't complain. It felt like it was a bit of our responsibility, among others, to talk Orioles fans off the ledge with all this underslot stuff. And uh, you and Zach on Saturday mornings dedicate all two hours to talking baseball, and I imagine you've been doing quite a bit of research leading up to Sunday night and today for the MLB draft. What are your overall thoughts on the Colton Kowser selection?
4: Well, for me, um, and, and credit to my co-host, Zach Goodman, who you just mentioned, he called the Connor, uh, the uh, Colton Kouser, uh drafting on Saturday. He said that he was 100% sure that the Orioles going to take Kowser if it wasn't Khalil Watson. Um uh, amazingly, Khalil Watson was there. The Orioles still went with Kouser. And ultimately what I think it comes down to is that this regime loves college bats. And they look at some of those shortstops that were in the draft, and you had Jordan Lawler, who was still available, who Baseball America had as their top prospect in the entire draft. He was still available at five. You had Khalil Watson, who struck out one time uh, throughout the entire spring high school season and has that pretty swing from the left side. He was still available. He falls to number 16 to the uh, Miami Marlins. Orioles go Colton Kowser. He was the, the best college bat still available. This regime loves college bats. He has a high contact rate, developing power. He has the speed and the glove to stick in center field, though I think ultimately he moves to a corner with the Orioles. This one, it's not the flashy pick that you want. You're not getting that flashy prep shortstop who could turn into a superstar. It's the safe pick of a guy who is going to be a major leaguer, in my opinion. Just maybe not that 320-35 homer major leaguer that you are expecting to get with with a top-five pick.
1: So, um, look, I, I think from a college bat standpoint, um, they took the right one. Uh, we heard some other names uh, through the process. I, I kind of on Friday's show, uh, Kyle and I talked about Kowser uh, versus, I believe the guy's name is Fre- Freelich. Freelich, uh out of Boston College. Preferred Couser, uh, th- thought his tools were a little bit better um, projection-wise at the major league level. Where do you go now if you're the Orioles? I mean, you still have four picks within the next before 106, I believe it is. Um, three more picks within the top 100. Are there names that are on your list uh, that if this was truly an underslot situation that they have some extra money to throw around to take some other guys?
2: There's a
4: couple of names that are still on my list. Um, signability becomes a big issue here. Now you know that the Orioles went underslot taking Calser. You don't know how much underslot because he was right. still considered by some uh, projections to be a top seven, top ten pick. Uh, in the draft. So you take him at number five, how much money are you really going to save? If you save a million, you save two million. Uh, that might be able to sway somebody like when you get Kobe Mayo or Carter Ballmer last year in the fourth and fifth rounds to forego, forego their commitments to college because you gave them a little over a million dollars as an 18-year-old kid. That's where that makes sense. I don't know that you're able to do that in the second round. Now, there's a name out there right now in Will Taylor who is projected to go to clemson he's got a ton of power i believe that he um i believe he's an outfielder with a ton of power but he's also projected to go there and play baseball play quarterback and slot receiver for clemson he's number nine overall prospect but all intents, for all intents and purposes he's probably going to go to college do you offer him a ton of money and say hey we want you to come play for us and he accepts it Do you go with a Bubba Chandler, who was also expected to go play shortstop and quarterback at Clemson? Um, He's, I believe, the number 23 prospect, but he's a guy who can play shortstop who could also be drafted as a pitcher. And the Orioles have a past history of drafting a guy like Michael Givens as a shortstop and then moving him over to the – as a reliever, once they realize this guy's not going to play shortstop, he's not going to be a hitter at the major league level. I think they would draft a guy like Bubba Chandler and make him uh, a shortstop at first, with the intent that if it doesn't pan out that way, at least we still have a really powerful arm that we can put in back end of our bullpen. And then there's another guy who I watched in the College World Series, second baseman for East Carolina, Connor Norby. He has one of the best hit tools in the college class. Not a ton of power. Really would only be able to stick defensively at second base, but you look at the Orioles' system, and at second base, it's Jemai Jones and then really nobody else. Now, you can always shift a guy like a Gunnar Henderson or a Jordan Westberg or a Caden Grenier, Anthony Servidio over the second base, but you can never have enough talent at a position, and the Orioles right now are actually pretty lacking at second base. Uh, Connor Norby's a guy I would keep my eye on if he's still available at 41.
0: So There's a host of names, obviously, that the Orioles will be considering with the rest of their picks in this draft. Um, I guess we have to address this. There's a lot of fans that just assume that going under slot is the Orioles being cheap and that it's indicative of nothing changing and Mike Elias and company not knowing what they're doing. Uh, Remind people that that's not how this works in the MLB draft. And that, yes, sure, if there's money left over at the end of the draft, there's reason to be upset, but there's little to no reason to think that will be the case.
4: Well, first and foremost, we have to address the fact that the Orioles are have been a punching bag for Major League Baseball as far as people's opinions on this franchise for a pretty long time. They only have 13 winning seasons since the mid-80s. So it's easy to kind of kick somebody or sure. a franchise when they're down. Uh, you look at this team, and Mike Elias is not going to go and pick a guy that he doesn't want just because he's going to save a little bit of money. I truly believe that a player like Colton Calzer was at the top of their board. Again, this is a regime that likes college bats, and I think Henry Davis was number one for them. And if, it's not, if it wasn't Davis, it was going to be Colton Kalser. The fact that they're also saving money on this so that maybe they can be more aggressive with some other players and, and convince them to forego their commitments to college— is just a bonus. I do believe Colton Calder was their guy. Uh, you look at what Michael Elias, and look, he wasn't the GM. it was Jeff Lunau over there in Houston. But you look at, at Houston, this is a team that is one of the best offenses in baseball still, and he helped build up that franchise. This is how it's done. They're not being cheap and trying to save money. They're trying to get as many good players in this system as possible to make this team good for a long time. One player isn't going to save your franchise. Mm -hmm. Now, look, Adley Rutschman, he's as likely a player as any if it was going to be one player to save a franchise, and that's why they took him 1-1 in 2019. But in this draft, there wasn't that one guy. So getting a guy like Colton Kalzer who is a proven bat, who is going to play at the major league level, is about as solid a pick as you can get. Now, me personally... When they, when they called his name, yeah, no, I, I wasn't thrilled. I wanted a flashier player. I sure. watched a, a lot of uh, Khalil Watson, and I really wanted that guy. But it comes down to size with him, and prep shortstops don't have a great track record. For people thinking the Orioles are being cheap, you can think that all you want because of the of what's happened in the past, but I feel like this regime is has done everything that they said that they're going to do to this point. You can see it at the minor league level, and they've done nothing to sway – my trust in this process and what's coming in
0: the future. No, and I think that in particular it's an important distinction when you bring up Rutchman, when they had the number 1 overall pick, they did not pinch pennies. Pennies? Pennies. They went <laughs> and pinch, got pinch Yeah, the, the lacrosse pennies. <laughs> they did not pinch him. They they went and got the de facto top guy and paid him what it took to make sure he was with the organization. So I understand, as you mentioned, the inherent disappointment that comes with a player being picked who was not the quote-unquote best player available. But I have utter confidence in this tenure and this regime that they will do their due diligence and make sure that they are maximizing their bonus pool to add as much talent as they possibly can to the Orioles. Right. And what
4: they're they're doing is the Orioles have – over $11 million to spend on this draft, and they're going to spend that money. That money's still going to get spent, but what they're doing is they're getting a really good player in the first round, and they still have the ability to spend that money on even better players in later rounds. People can look at it at this on the surface and say they didn't take the best player available, but that's just not all the facts there. They're, you're just looking sure. at it very superficially. Mm-hmm. You have to look at the fact that that money's going to be spent, but now it's going to be spent on better players uh, that are available later on. And also, think about the fact that people that are saying this, this franchise is cheap right now, they just spent $25 million on a Dominican Republic baseball academy. If you're yep. being cheap, you don't spend that kind of, kind of money so that you can develop international talent. So it's really just uh, completely un- unwarranted cheap shots that people are taking at this team right now because it's the popular thing to do when this team has been mostly bad for 35 years.
0: I don't disagree. and Look, granted, it's fair to criticize the Orioles for their utter inactivity internationally, and I hesitate to give them too much credit for doing what is essentially the bare minimum and necessary to be on an even playing field, but for as, as long as they were utterly... You know, uninvolved in that sort of discussion. We've already seen them spend money on some international free agents on guys like Luis Ortiz and guys who we hope in a couple years will be fixtures on these top prospect lists. Uh, Today's show is also brought to you by Window Nation. Right now get 50% off all styles of Windows Plus put no money down, make no payments, and pay no interest for 24 months. 866-90-NATION or visit windownation.com Com. Tell them Glenn Clark sent you. Window Nation, the perfect fit. Paul, we heard that the 26,000-plus fans in attendance at the Orioles game on Saturday was the highest total for any game this season. I'm personally wearing my Orioles Hawaiian shirt as we <laughs> speak. Were you at that ballgame?
4: No. You know, unfortunately, I have never been to a Hawaiian shirt giveaway wow. to this point in my life. And you call uh, yourself a fan, I don't know how that's worked out. I usually have been had to work on Saturdays, um, and I think that's usually when they give those shirts away, so I've missed a lot of them. Um, I was going to try to go to the game on Sunday, but my fiancé and I tr- decided to just kind of have a pool day before we did draft covers and stuff like that, so that's what we did instead. Uh, 26000 being the, the high watermark, especially when they're giving away the Hawaiian T-shirts. Now, I don't know if it was to the first 25,000. First 20,000. Yeah,
0: 20,000. First yeah.
4: 20,000. So that that number makes a, a little bit of sense. But, guys, that, that number is going to go up once this team gets better. You saw it when 6,000 people went to Bowie to watch Grayson Rodriguez make a start with their gas cans. Uh, this, this area is dying for good baseball. And once it comes back, you'll see those stands filled again.
0: What's your level of ire toward? Brandon Hyde. I know some people have been upset and try and criticize him for the play on the field and failing to acknowledge the fact that there are probably like three or four legitimate major leaguers on this roster. But do you get upset when you see the, you know, I guess mental lapses that can occur with the Baltimore Orioles? And do you attribute that to Hyde or do you attribute that to just their not being good baseball players on this team?
4: Um, well, first off, the, th- the thing with Hyde, there have been a, a, a couple of moves that I kind of scratched my head at. Ryan McKenna pinch-hitting with the bases loaded for Austin Wins the other day. Didn't make a ton of sense to me. Um, there was a point where the Orioles were down in a game 13-1. to um, I, I think it was to the – it may have been to the Astros or the Blue Jays. And they had the bases loaded in the bottom of the eighth inning with Trey Mancini coming up. Mm-hmm. And, he, and he pinch-hits Pedro Severino. And I think that more so for a fan standpoint that you need to leave Trey in, in that situation. But we're, we're really splitting hairs here. I don't think that you can even fairly evaluate Brandon Hyde at this point. He has never had the talent to do an appropriate job as a manager. Right now, it's almost like he's babysitting until the actual players get here. Now, they they have more talent on this roster than I think they have in the last few years. You finally have Hayes, Mullen, Santander, Mountcastle, and Mancini all playing pretty regularly in the same lineup. I think the offense has been better because of that. But that bullpen has been atrocious. That starting rotation is the worst in baseball. They have the worst team ERA in baseball, They've given up the second most amount of home runs, because the talent simply isn't there. You can't – there's no way to evaluate a manager who has no talent on the field. Now, if they're still losing more than they're winning two years from now, if he's still here because, for all we know, it was a three-year contract with a fourth-year option. So if he's still here in two years and he's got Adley Rutschman and Grayson Rodriguez and D.L. Hall and they're still just a 75-win team, then, yeah, you can start to look at Brandon be like, what are you doing, man? But it's not fair to evaluate a guy – who hasn't had the talent yet. Now, as for the lapses on the field, honestly, I think that that's just something that comes with losing because you get that losing mindset. You get that mindset that, oh, what are we going to do now to blow this game? When's the other shoe going to drop? And then inevitably that stuff happens because that's already your mindset. You have to start winning before you can get into the mind frame of, oh, I'm going to make this play because that's what winning teams do.
1: So, The trade deadline is approaching now, now that we're going to get through the All-Star game. Is there anything the Orioles can do? Is there anything you would do? Um, You know, I I know there's been, you know, some talk about Means with the injury. He's not tradable, I wouldn't think. Um, I don't think if you're – if you're as an organization, you can trade Mancini – um, at least I wouldn't. I think that would just be a crushing blow to to the fan base. Um, and then there's Santander. Um, there's been some talk about him. How active are you if if you you know got promoted um, at the trade deadline if you're the Orioles?
4: So with 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 guys like Means and Mullins. I think that the Orioles would have to be absolutely blown away, and I don't think that anybody's going to offer the Orioles. But they would, have. even if it Means have been healthy this entire season and pitching the way he did through April and May, I don't believe that the Orioles would move him because they would just have to be blown away by an offer that they're simply not going to get. For as for Mancini, I agree with you, Ken. I don't think that he's getting traded, and I think it's for a couple of reasons. One. You're not going to get much value for him. Right now he's been really struggling, batting below 200, I believe, over the last uh, 20 to 30 games. Uh, The bat has really slowed down. It's going to pick back up. I think there was a lot of pressure of him trying to make an all-star push there. And I think you'll see once they get back into the second half of the season, uh, schedule-wise, that his bat will come back alive. But from a PR standpoint, you you can't trade the guy. You you just can't. It, th- this franchise, the fan the fan base of this franchise is already so disenchanted with the team. And then if you trade away the most popular the most popular player, who's the best story in baseball right now, you're going to have a riot on your hands. Yeah. I just don't see how you can do it and survive the backlash from the franchise. I thought that Freddie Galvis was probably their biggest yeah. trade chip. And then a couple of weeks ago, he has a grade one tear of his quadriceps, that's going to keep him out about two months. Can't trade him. And Santander, he hasn't done enough this year to be a huge trade chip. Now the bat comes alive for a two-week stretch here, and there's a team that really needs an outfielder. And there's some teams out there that need to help. The White Sox, the Indians, if they believe, the Indians believe that they can make a push, um, I think the Nationals also need some some outfield help. Um, then you could see somebody come in and try and, and get make you an offer. But again, this is a guy who's 26 years old who has uh, three and a half years of team control left, who is a switch hitter with power from both sides who plays gold glove defense. If you're not blown away, you don't move him either. I think, honestly, the biggest trade chips are in your bullpen. Mm-hmm. And are you willing to trade Tanner Scott? That's the guy I would really like to hold on to. Are you, are you going to trade Paul Fry, whose numbers have been down a lot and you don't want to... You know, speculate, but ever since the foreign substance ban has come into play, his numbers have gotten worse. Um, Is that a guy that you trade? I think that you know the Orioles don't have a ton of trade chips, and Paul Fry, in my opinion, is the most likely to go if at all.
0: Yeah, I think that probably makes sense. Maybe a guy like Dylan Tate, despite his struggles in his most recent outing, there had been some progress from him, and you saw him start to locate a little better. I think maybe if he were to have a really strong couple of weeks, it's not impossible that he could be enticing to another team, but again, that's an arm that with, with some talent that maybe you might want to hold on to and see if he might be able to really put things together and end up as a nice back-end bullpen piece. Well,
4: you know, yeah, I think that they view Dylan Tate uh, as somebody who could be a back-end piece, and man, he is... He is frustrating, isn't he? He's one of those guys where you see him go out and the other day he struck out five batters in two innings and he looked unhittable. And then he goes out the next day and he walks three guys, gives up a home run. The next thing you know, you're down by four runs in a game that you brought him in to keep close. He's a really frustrating guy with a ton of talent, maybe the most electric stuff in that entire bullpen, who just needs to figure it out and still has a ton of team control. Uh, I think that he's more valuable to the Orioles franchise than than if they were to trade him than the pieces that they would get back. If that makes sense,
0: I don't tend to disagree, uh, Paul. Anything else that's been on your mind as far as the Orioles are concerned?
4: I'm just really, if if I don't know that excited is the right word because there's nothing to be excited about with this team this year. The draft was the big was the high point, and now that we're going to be coming down off that, I just want to see. What they're going to do with this rotation in the second half of the season, Alexander Wells had a really nice start last night for Norfolk. Uh, Are you going to bring him up into the rotation? How much longer do you keep Matt Harvey going? They said (laughs) that they're going to sit him a little bit and give him some rest since he and Jorge Lopez didn't really miss any starts in the first half. Who's going to be in that rotation? Who's going to get called up? Are we going to see Jemai Jones? Will Yusnio Diaz finally start to hit at Norfolk and then maybe get a call up to see – what he can do at the major league level. I think there's going to be a lot of roster turnover in the next couple of months. And I'm anxious to see what this team is going to look like in September.
0: Well, we appreciate you taking some time for us to talk a little Orioles. Look forward to uh, the shows you and Zach have together coming up. Of course, Saturday morning from 10 to 12. You can catch them on the bat around here at pressboxonline.com. And I hope you guys have a good week. All right, man. Thanks, man. I appreciate talking to you guys. Have a good one. Take it easy. Take it easy. There he goes, Paul Valley, host of the Bat Around on Press Box. Appreciate his insights as far as Colton Cowser and the draft are concerned, and it will be interesting to see how the Orioles spread out the rest of their bonus pool up. Because obviously, it wasn't just a pick that existed in a vacuum. They clearly have hopes and plans for the rest of that approximately eleven million dollars, depending on how much Cowser got. But it will be interesting to see just how it all shakes. Today's show is also brought to you by Great Eights Memorabilia. And guys, coming up Sunday, July 25th, you have a big event that you're going to want to be at Jimmy's Seafood for. Celebrate the return to training camp with a crab feast featuring Baltimore edge rusher Tyus Bowser at Jimmy's. Your $108 VIP ticket gets you the crab feast with Maryland steam crabs, a buffet of Jimmy's Seafood favorites, in open bar and your VIP meet and greet and autograph opportunity with Ravens edge rusher Tyus Bowser. The event benefits Casey cares and cannot be missed. So get your tickets now by going to great eightsmemorabilia.com. That's the number eight great eights memorabilia.com. We're going to take our third and final break uh, on the other side of that. We're going to go into our two Utes segment with intern young Jack Uh, This is Glenn Clark Radio from the Chesapeake Employers Insurance Studio here at PressBox. We will be right back.
5: Glory Days Grill's popular summer seasonal menu is back with favorites like their very berry salad and smoky thigh wings. It also features the all-new shrimp po' boy, crispy fried shrimp on a freshly baked sub roll with lettuce, tomato, and a house-made spicy remoulade. Other delicious items include a 12-ounce New York Strip steak, the barbecue chicken bowl, barbecue ribs, and smoky thigh wings combo platter, zucchini fries, and a key lime pie. All of these meals pair well with Sam Adams Summer Ale or their Anniversary IPA brewed by Devil's Backbone. Glory Days Grill is hiring all positions. Want to work for a great family-oriented company known for their commitment to the community? Stop into one of their restaurants and speak with a manager. Management opportunities are available. The Olympics start soon. Stop in and watch the games at Glory Days Grill. Every child who dines at one of their restaurants during the Olympic Games will receive a gold medal. Find out more by going to glorydaysgrill.com.
0: C3 American Exteriors is the area's best and most trusted roof and side.
5: The Toyota Tacoma comes in a wide range of models and trim lines. You can choose the perfect Toyota to reflect your unique personality and driving habits. Check out buyatoyota.com for deals on new Tacomas from your local Toyota dealer today.
4: Baseball is back in full in 2021, and the bat round has got you covered from bell to bell. Hi, I'm Paul Valley, and you can catch me along with my co-host Zach Goodman every Saturday morning from 10 to 12 on the bat round right here at PressBox Sports. We'll break down every win, every loss, and everything in between, plus tell you who we take to rake each week as the Orioles look to get back in the hunt and bring competitive baseball back to Baltimore. Catch us at PressBoxOnline.com slash the bat or at Facebook.com slash PressBox Sports. That's the bat round every Saturday morning from 10 to 12 right here at PressBox
3: It takes time to get rich, flavorful coffee beans from the lush mountain regions of Colombia and Brazil to Royal Farms. But less than a minute to get yourself a delicious hot cup of the finest and freshest coffee in the world. Because Royal Farms' new Swiss-made coffee machines grind those rich, flavorful coffee beans and brew them one magnificent cup at a time. It's why Royal Farms makes the freshest and best coffee in the world. Real fresh, real fast. Royal Farms. This is, is GlenClarkRadio.com. Nothing
0: but net. And we are back, Glenn Clark Radio from the Chesapeake Employers Insurance Studio here in Pressbox. Today's show has also been brought to you by Mobile One. Mobile One, full synthetic motor oil, helps extend engine life. Visit your local Jiffy Lube Service Center and ask for Mobile One. And also, we also enjoy and appreciate the support of Window Nation, who are just about offering a great deal. For you, Now you can get 50% off all styles of Windows, plus no money down, make no payments, and pay no interest for 24 months. Two whole years without having to pay anything. 866-90-NATION or visit windownation.com. Tell them Glenn Clark sent you. Window Nation, the perfect fit. It is now time for everybody's favorite segment... Everyone looks forward to it daily to see exactly what all the youths are talking about. I guess I got to do the whistle thing. (laughs) That's all we're getting. but That's good enough. Uh, Intern Jack, the mic is on. Tell us what the youths are talking about in the last few days.
6: Um. All right. So over the weekend, the uh, SBs took place. Yeah. Yeah, they so, did. Everyone
0: knows. Everyone yeah. marks their calendar every year <laughs> waiting <laughs> for the missed, SBs. Must have
1: missed
6: that. Um, so one of the big things that happened from that night was Anthony Mackey, who was the host for the night, actually just went on a complete rampage and roasted Ben Simmons. So uncalled for. just okay. It was like supposed to be a joke. I mean, I watched the, the video after it transpired and I was like, oh, this is pretty funny. But then I went to Twitter and, you know, people have a little mixed feelings on all of that kind of stuff. So he actually said, um, let me pull it up. It said Ben Simmons is going to take home a, uh, a special ESPY award for the humanitarian work. And it said that based off of his work and building, or, um, he's been building orphanages completely uh, out of his playoff
0: bricks. Well, that's suggesting that he's shooting enough to have enough bricks.
6: <laughs> yeah. Um, so people were calling and saying that, um, well, I mean, he is right, but I mean, that's not the, the time or place to just like, sure. completely go on the rampage. So, I mean, I was thinking that if, I mean, Ben Simmons has been attacked for the last however many months about his shooting. So, I mean, if the things like that, like, don't just kind of aggravate him and try and get him going i mean so
0: are the utes in support of anthony mackie or are they against his his tie i think it was
6: i think it was like a pretty good joke i mean these kinds of these kinds of like award sure. ceremonies whoever's like the host is supposed to take like a little, little ribbing, digs at yeah. people people were going people were saying that that was just like a little overstep of your boundaries right there but i i thought it was i thought it was pretty fun i think the twitter world also probably would agree with me that that was a uh, a pretty funny uh, experience.
0: I thought I had noticed it seemed like there was a bit of a transition between Twitter piling on Ben Simmons until eventually it was like, guys, this is a human being. Maybe we're going a little too hard and we should let him live and not try and ruin his mental health. (laughs) But I guess Anthony Mackie felt differently. Did he have multiple jokes or was it just like that was the main one that he took?
6: Yeah, no, that was like the big one from.
0: Okay, from it the wasn't night. a theme throughout the night that he just kept. Did you watch the ESPYS or was it only what was being talked about? No, I well? just saw
6: like the okay. awards, highlights. Lamelo Ball was a big one. He came up there and came and said that he was doing a like he had a speech prepared for the entire thing. One, I think it was like. Biggest like up and coming. I don't even know what these awards they win. Yeah, nobody does. He, g- he gets up there. He goes, "Yeah, I was brainstorming the speech. I got nothing." He's like, "Thanks, mom. Thanks, brother. Like that, all that." And he walked off the stage hey, and remedy. got a got a standing ovation for that four second speech that he uh, that he very confidently just delivered. He
0: let down <laughs> everybody. The ESPY <SB> is <laughs> truly a landmark on television every season. KZ, I know you would never miss it. When was the last time you sat down and watched the ESPYS?
1: No earthly clue. Ever. I mean, when they first probably started, yeah. I you know, okay, it seemed kind of cool. Like, let's see what it is. Mm-hmm. I didn't watch too many after that.
0: No, I remember. When uh, I was a kid. Maybe that was the only time that I maybe probably like well, tuned I'm
1: a, in. I'm a little bit older. You are. So I couldn't have. They, they weren't on when I was a kid. Um, I don't know how 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 many SBs have there been.
0: Who knows? I but don't even know if they know.
1: I couldn't tell you. Like, like my son asked me to tape it. I was like, <laughs> really? why? Well, you know, he's seventeen. Pop you know, culture ish. I guess. Yeah. Like like they make up awards. Like and I know this is silly, but I did see because I'm still a, an old wrestling fan, that there was apparently a WWE award at the SB's now. Oh huh. Like match of the year, I was like, really? That's on the ESPYS now. <laughs> I was like, okay. Or moment, or WWE moment of the year. Sure, and why it not? was fi- it was fine. I mean, they gave it to you know a women's match where it was the first time two African American women were the were the uh, main event for WrestleMania. Fantastic. Yep. When did when did the ESPYS turn into who knows wrestling? Truly, I have no it idea. It was like so. No, it's been no, i missed it's it. been ages
0: weirdly enough i missed it on saturday what, night it
1: was on saturday night i think so what was i watching i don't know i, don't know.
0: Soccer. I was out
6: i was watching connor and gregor fight did you guys see that one i did no. not
0: although i got a free admission to uh strip club to see if i would be able to when i was out oh. at pickles drinking oh, some beers and go. stuff and sliders as well we love sliders
1: we were we were watching copa america
0: final Ooh, there you go actually that was a pretty interesting year. we didn't talk about that but uh it was a lot of good soccer uh, the uefa weekend. on sunday yeah uh you know i don't feel bad for england not at all. Because we got a little bit of a relationship, us countries, you know. Uh, no I kind bed. of enjoyed seeing them lose personally.
1: I didn't, I wasn't I, I again no dog in the fight, but
0: you're not uh, Italian. I could have sworn uh,
1: I, I'm <laughs> Jewish. It's fact, it's close, right? I mean, it's you know sort of sort of. But at- Italy was the best team of the tournament, like they the entire consistently, way. Yeah, yeah. I mean, they were they were the best team of the tournament, and. England, very simply f- to not get too technical, wanted to win one nothing. Yep. And
0: tried to up de- a little bit after that set goal in the Literally second
1: tried to defend for ninety minutes. Didn't work out. It never works out. Yeah. You can't defend for ninety
0: minutes. All right, Jack, what's number two?
6: All right, so you didn't really touch much on it today but did the usa nigeria basketball yeah, yeah. collapse yeah. yeah it's an exhibition yeah but doesn't I mean, count no it doesn't count happen just to to uh go out there and and lose it's one of the most embarrassing things i think all of those guys on the usa basketball team have, have been not guy, not like, ideal
1: now 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 remind me who was starting for usa basketball Didn't, i think the, the starting lineup is like Brad Beal,
6: Jason Tatum, Durant, 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 Bam Adebayo, Lillard, and Lillard, I think, yeah. are the starting five. And I heard that lost. Lillard— And that team lost to Nigeria. I can't name you one basketball player from Nigeria. Serge
0: Ibaka, I think. Is he—no, uh, he's not in Nigeria. He's from Cameroon, I think. I'm showing my ass. I don't there know. There exactly. was
1: a funny tweet of the weekend. He's from Ghana? Oh, man, I don't know. I forgot who tweeted it, but they won Twitter that day.
0: I heard that they were – what was the tweet?
1: The tweet was something like, Kevin Durant is now signed
0: with Nigeria. Oh, I did see that. Yeah, yeah. (laughs) I heard that Dame Lillard in particular was being uh, singled out defensively as far as being a bit of a liability by the Nigerian squad. Dame? No. Yeah, who knew, right? (laughs) So what were they – is it just people roasting Team USA? Is that what was going on? Yeah,
6: so then they're they're going back and they're pulling up the previous Nigeria-USA – basketball games that have taken place. So oh the la- the last two games, the uh, USA beat Nigeria by 127 combined points. Oh. The uh, the last time they played, they they lost by 83 points and then the year after that or the then the game after 4 years later from that, they lost by 44 points and now America lost by 3.
0: So there's a first. Well, the total point differential still very much in America's favor. That is that is true. <laughs> that is
6: <laughs> that is definitely true, but it's actually their third um loss as like the United States in their last I think
0: 58 games. And they were they were, 39 were, and 0
6: in the Olympics. So hopefully that's just like a wake up call for yeah. like, when the yeah. Olympics starts like, oh, maybe we do have to like sort of duele-
0: try. They were due to lose. Hey, as long as it's in an this exhibition and not when it matters, you know. Right. I'm okay with it. Right. All right, fair enough. The youths are talking about the basketball team losing. That seems warranted. They probably shouldn't have lost that game, but hey, here we are.
6: And then um the Scripps National Spelling Bee took ah. place yeah. this weekend. Yes. Yeah. So I caught just the last, like I caught just like the winning word. Yeah. First of all, did you do you know the winning word? I think it was like Mariah. Mo- no, yeah, I, I don't
0: think know. I saw it, but I don't even know what it is. Seems
6: way too easy for like the winning word. Spell it then. I think it was like M-U- I don't, I don't know. Yeah, exactly. I can't Maybe. spell it. M, I don't know started exactly. with an M but anyway oh, that's good. <laughs> that's <a good> <laughs> but uh, but anyway there was and like it, a, a vibe with an Aya <laughs> ah, very impressive. Um, but there was a viral video that came out after and it, the girl that won Zalia she could be the most Gourmet. talented individual in the country she might be she, yeah. she's she's gonna uh, she's gonna do some pretty b- big things out there but she in basketball yeah. there was a video of her just like crazy hand I was like
0: no I watched some of those she like, like, like has several Guinness World Records she yeah. has the Guinness World Record for the most basketballs dribbled at the <laughs> Dribble. same time. It was yeah. like 6 or 7 of them. Videos of her like juggling and dribbling basketballs and then on top of that she's got a pretty smooth jump shot. That girl is uh, probably going to do just fine in life and whatever it is she decides she's looking to Do considering she won the script spelling bee as a well, she as a wants, side she wants to
6: go to Harvard and play basketball, that's what she said. She will, and <laughs> then maybe go to the WNBA or work overseas. And then she said, potentially work at NASA or something like that, or become a basketball coach. She's I don't probably going to do,
0: she wants to do everything. I think yeah. she very well could do all of them concurrently and set yes. a Guinness World Record <laughs> for most professions held at one time. Now, that girl is truly astounding. Uh, very, very what is her impressive. name again?
6: Zalia Avant-Garde,
0: I'm yeah. pretty sure. I mean, she, um, she makes me feel utterly useless, to be perfectly honest with you. I can't spell. I can't play basketball anywhere near that well, and I have no aspirations to work at NASA. Uh, I already missed out on Harvard, although they did recruit. No, they didn't. Uh, no, she's um, uh, staggeringly impressive as an eighth grader. In things, I think I saw a tweet. It was like, oh, yeah, the girl who won the spelling bee is also a very impressive basketball process. I was like, how impressive could you be as right. an eighth grader? Like, how do you know? Yeah. And then I saw some videos. I was like, oh. Oh, yeah. <laughs> yeah. Okay. Yeah. yeah, no, that makes more sense. Yeah, she, um, she's going to be president one day, probably. Yeah, she be. be. Very yeah. well. Yeah, no, that was pretty wild. Uh, that was pretty impressive. And uh, congratulations to her and to her family, who I'm sure is uh, pretty, pretty proud of her. Uh, all right. Thank you, Jack. Appreciate that. Appreciate all your information. All right, I guess it's about time to wind down as uh, the second hour of today's show is just about in the books. It was brought to you by the BMW Championship as the PGA Tour's top 70 golfers are coming to Baltimore to compete in the 2021 BMW Championship at Caves Valley Golf Club. Because you know, Secure excuse me, your tickets at bmwchampionship.com. And Tidbit of the Day is brought to you by Stan the Fan and his shows. He's got two great shows for you every week. And like everything else in the world, they're happening over Zoom. Every Monday night, which is tonight in case you weren't aware, Stan and former Orioles pitcher Ross Grimsley visit with a different guest from the world of baseball tonight. It will be Larry Sheets, who is a proud father, as his son Gavin hit a home run in his first game at Camden Yards. That was Friday night, and he was celebrating front row there. Uh, He'll join Stan and Ross tonight. Uh, On Wednesday, Stan and Gary Stein chat with a different newsmaker from the world of sports. And this Wednesday, they'll be chatting with Bill Ordine about the most recent developments in sports gaming as it pertains to the state of Maryland. With things moving along toward a expected fall opening, or thereabout. Both shows are live at facebook.com slash pressbox sports and are available the next day at pressboxonline.com. Stan's weekly shows are brought to you by C3 American Exteriors. Find them at c3america.com. C3 American Exteriors, you can get your roof and siding repairs for the cost of your home insurance deductible. Do not let the insurance industry get one over on you. Call c Three. At 410-401-9797 or go to c3america.com for a free analysis. So, tidbit. The Orioles, not exactly good in the first half of the season. And, you know, not terribly surprising. But I guess maybe the extent of some of the struggles are eye-opening to, a, to some, perhaps. John Means was pitching great. Those were the days. He hasn't pitched since June for the Baltimore Orioles in that span. The Orioles starting rotation is a combined three and 18 with a 8.12 ERA, which for those keeping score at home, not all that good. The Orioles have used 30 pitchers in the first half of this season. They are nine away from the franchise record. I imagine they will probably reach that mark by the end of this month, perhaps. Can we bet on that? I don't know if Vegas will take that bet. The odds they're giving you will be uh, a lot, lot, lot shorter than what Shohei Otani will be tonight for the home run derby. Uh, The Orioles, let's just say that when the Dodgers scored 22 runs against the Diamondbacks on Saturday, that was only four fewer than the Orioles scored in the entire month of July so far. So, a bit different as far as that's concerned. Uh, The O's are one of three teams that have lost multiple games this season when leading by five or more runs at any point in the game. KZ, Mm. who are the two other teams with at least two such losses? One of them's... Pretty predictable.
1: I mean, I would guess Arizona.
0: The Diamondbacks have the most three I mean, games where they led by five or more that they came back and found a way to lose. Now, do you have any idea who the other team is?
1: Uh,
0: the Nationals. Not the Nationals. Since they just had a big...
1: The Mets, maybe.
0: Not the Mets. The Yankees. It is none other... Then the New York Yankees, a team that undoubtedly had title aspirations and who we all love to see flame out and fail. I tried to explain, I went to the game on Saturday with my girlfriend and some friends and she got upset with me when I was talking trash loudly to Yankees fans who had no business being there. Why are you wearing a How Yankees are jersey when the Orioles were playing the White Sox? I was like, no, this isn't because I was drunk, which I was, it was because I truly revel in talking trash, to Yankees fans. when well, I have reason to. Look, if the Orioles lose 8 nothing to the Yankees, I'll probably be a little quieter. But uh, what are you doing at an Orioles-White Sox game in July, Yankees fans? Don't wear a Yankees jersey when you do it. You are obnoxious. I hate your guts. The Yankees are garbage and will forever remain garbage. And the fact that they are on a list with the Orioles and the Diamondbacks is something that makes me oh so happy. So, love to see it. Truly love to see it. Uh, today's show has also been brought to you by the PressBox Print Edition. You can get the newest edition of PressBox, which features Maryland quarterback Tolia Tonga Loa on the cover at all local Royal Farm stores and over 500 area locations. And you can always find the entire edition as well as the best daily coverage of the Orioles, Ravens, and Terps at PressBoxOnline.com. Tubular. Tubular is brought to you by Great Eights Memorabilia. And again, July 25th, you are going to want to find your way to Jimmy's Seafood as they've got one of the best events that you can find at any part of town, anytime if you're a sports fan. Celebrate the return of training camp with a crab feast featuring Baltimore edge rusher Tyus Bowser at Jimmy's Famous Seafood. Your $108 Gets you a crab feast with Maryland Steen crabs, a buffet of Jimmy's seafood favorites, again an open bar. Some of you can make that worth two hundred plus dollars, and your VIP meet and greet and autograph opportunity with Ravens edge rusher Tyus Bowser. The event benefits Casey Cares and cannot be missed. Get your tickets now by going to greatatesmemorabilia dot com. That's the number eight great dot com. So. As far as Tubular is concerned, uh, 1 o'clock this afternoon on MLB Network, the MLB draft continues. This will be of particular interest to Orioles fans. As as KZ mentioned, they have, I believe, what, three more picks? Three more picks in top 100. Four top 100 and four within the top 108 or something like 106. that? 106. Yeah. So they have ample opportunity to add to the overall talent pool, something that we expect will be done with the money that they saved on Colton Cowser, uh, Of other interest to Orioles fans is the Home Run Derby tonight at 8 o'clock on ESPN as Trey Mancini will be featured front and center, and although the odds are the longest, I would imagine some Orioles fans have plopped down a little bit of money to see if maybe he might be able to have another Cinderella story after his recovery from cancer and make some noise in a field that includes Shohei Otani, Juan Soto, Trevor Story, and some of the league's best and most prolific power hitters. Uh, That is, as I said, at 8 o'clock on Fox Sports 1. Got some CONCACAF action. Uh, The Gold Cup continues tonight at 6.30. Jamaica and Suriname, a country I did not know existed until literally just now, will square off at 9. Costa Rica and Guadalupe will take on their chances in the Gold Cup. Uh, On NBC Sports Network, another exhibition for USA Basketball coming off of a national embarrassment. They will look to right the ship against Australia at 8 o'clock. USA has WWE Raw at 8 o'clock. As far as non-sports are concerned, let's see. You've got American Ninja Warrior at 8 o'clock. On NBC, I know people are very fond of that. We also have on Fox, uh, House Broken and Duncanville are two shows that I've never seen, but that will be on Fox at 9 and 9.30, respectively. Uh, Shark Week is officially underway. Uh, I know a lot of people look forward to that, and uh, there's some good stuff happening on Discovery Channel tonight as Air Jaws, going for gold. No idea what that means, but that's at 8. Jaws Awakens, Fred vs. Slash. Again, no idea, but it's Shark Week. You'll know what it is. And Expedition Unknown is at 10. So that's 8, 9, and 10 for those three programs. TBS has American Dad at 10 o'clock, followed by Final Space at 10.30. Uh, on the late-night side of things, Arsenio Hall is the guest host of Kimmel. He will have Megan Fox and Jay Farrow. Uh, on Fallon, they've got Tom Hiddleston, who I believe is Loki, uh, Tig Notaro, and Goldlink. Uh, on Cold Bear, Keegan Michael Key, and Tones and I. No clue. Uh, Scarlett Johansson, Black Widow, very popular, made about $80 million at the box office. Supposed to be pretty good. He's on Seth Meyers tonight, along with Mets pitcher Noah Sindergaard. So I guess maybe that's Marvel themed also. His nickname's Thor. Oh, you know? yeah. I don't know. Who knows? Yeah. Uh, and that's all on tonight. You can find everything else at glennclarkradio.com. Well, I think that just about does it. Sounds good. KZ, appreciate you taking the time for us. Hey. As always, and you sitting in for the entirety of the week as Glenn is, I believe, now in Georgia. Georgia, I heard. With his father and his two kids. So uh, wish him the best and hope his trip is going well. Uh, as I mentioned, tomorrow morning we will chat with 28 baseball—2080 baseball, excuse me—analyst Nick Folaris to get his thoughts on not just Colton Kowser, right, but, but who else? the guys that the Orioles will be selecting today as the draft continues. And uh, we look forward to finding out a little bit more about the newest Baltimore Orioles. I mean, yeah, they get signed, but again, we ex- right. expect that with Hopefully, the money saved, yes. they will be signing— the players that they draft. Um, For me, Kyle Ottenheimer, you can follow me on Twitter at Kay Ottenheimer. You can follow Ken Zalis at Fans Fantasy. Uh, Young Jack, appreciate you. I look forward to seeing you tomorrow with more content about the Utes. Uh, thanks to all of our sponsors and partners, the U.S. Army, Glory Days Grill, Window Nation, Royal Farms, Chesapeake Employers Insurance, ExxonMobil, k and Automotive, C3 American Exteriors, Great 8's Memorabilia, Sports and Social MD, the BMW Championship, and the Bradley and Nikki Bozeman Foundation, as well as your local Toyota dealer, and BuyAToyota.com. New episodes of Jobbing Out and uh, Courts of Thunder are available in the podcast tab. At pressboxonline.com. Or well, Quartz of Thunder, maybe not. Be, but check out the most recent episode of Courts of Thunder. I'll plug it for him as uh, Glenn and Greg Rosenthal reacted to Novak Djokovic's 20th Grand Slam victory as he will look to put together the calendar Grand Slam at the Australian Open, uh, which would be only the second time that's ever been done in tennis. But uh, we look forward to chatting tomorrow about some more baseball and other stuff and things. always look forward to stuff and things. Irons and fires. Uh, Duke sucks. Ohio State sucks too.